Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is... If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan... Tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Chicago Bears are going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chicago Bears are going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan McGuire, uh, do I got the lyrics wrong? <laughs> I, that's okay, but let me ask you, are you okay? I'm not being facetious at all. I mean, <laughs> you pour your heart out for the White Sox, just like I do for the Bears and you do for the Bears. And I know you said, well, I didn't think they were going to win, but still they lost. So that's got to be... Or 162 games, man. Yeah. Trust me. You got to be this. You, you, you honestly, you don't want to be here tonight. Be honest. Uh, that's why Johnny Santucci is waiting in the wings. So as soon as I start crying, he's going to come into the rescue and sub in for me. Johnny Santucci is handling the chat comments tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And he will be joining us a little later. But yeah, uh, Dan, it's, it is upsetting. Uh, and it's the way they lost. The White Sox lost in a manner where it, it looked like they didn't even belong in the postseason. Um, and 
you know, there's all sorts of things to talk about. I'll let the South Burbs hitmen and the Crosstown Crosstalk guys talk about it. The next show is on Thursday for White Sox Talk. They'll cover that, but uh, my two cents is, it, you know, I, I actually placed money on them to lose today because I just didn't think they had it. So, wanna See, I would have thought, and you know I've told you so many times that I, I love Dusty Baker, and I know a lot of Chicago people hate Dusty, but I thought Dusty's won everywhere he's gone, but he always has bad things happen to him in the postseason. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's completely plausible to suggest that the Sox would be down 2-0 and come back and win in game five. Mm -hmm. I, I thought they had a shot just because of all the bad things that have happened to Dusty over the years. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that's going to happen in the next round to Dusty <laughs> against the Red <laughs> Well, <Sox>. potentially. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I, I got to also say, while I love baseball, I wish the baseball season was over before football starts because I'll sit down – and watch baseball and fall asleep. I, baseball has just gotten boring for me. And I, and the game still has a lot of beauty and appeal. But compared to football, no, uh, uh, I don't know. How do you feel, Dan? I wish I had more time to watch baseball. I miss it. I mm -hmm. truly do. I, I'm just always at work. But whenever that ends, that push of my life ends to where I'm only doing 40 hours, I'm going to be a baseball fan again. Mm-hmm. So I, I never find it boring unless I'm watching the American League. Yeah. Now I like being then, then I can't get into it. <laughs> I know. I noticed that about you when we went to the Cleveland Indians Sox game. No, no, that that was the White Sox that night that was making all of us fall asleep. <laughs> they sure were. Yeah, and, and but I'm I'm with you. I like being at the ballpark and that way you can kind of concentrate on the strategy of the game. You can direct what's going on in your own, you know. I want to look at the second baseman where he's lined up. I don't have to worry about TV cameras and stuff. But in comparison to football, which I have, I'm just so uh, psyched about it. So I'm still a student of the game of football. I love doing the show on Thursday night with Danny Shimon and the one on Monday with Greg Gabriel. I'm learning, still learning about the game. That to me is is much more appealing than baseball, which is just it, the baseball now is different than the game 20 years ago. It's much slower. You know, there's the the shift on, and that's it just feels weird. They got the weird rule about extra innings. Of course, not in postseason, but you know, a man on second base to start the tenth inning is it's just a fucking mess. Yeah, man. I don't like that or the seventh inning doubleheader thing either. That skews statistics, you know. Yeah, when we get John in here, I would like to get his opinion on it. So we'll talk to him later about that. But uh, I know that. Uh, you and I wanted to talk a little bit about the John Gruden thing, and uh, and then uh, don't don't be mad at me because I feel like we're going to disagree, and you're already mad because of the White Sox. We are going to disagree, that is for sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think you know it's it's the biggest story going on in football, and it's too bad that yesterday's great game between uh, the Ravens and the Colts was kind of marred by all this talk about John Gruden. That was one of the best games, if not the best game of the NFL season. So for that great comeback by the Ravens and that heroic performance by Lamar Jackson. But, you know, the the, the news of John Gruden uh, submitting his resignation, we all know that he was forced to, because emails were released by an investigation concerning the Washington football team and their workplace conditions, because they were being there were complaints by a number of women about the workplace conditions at the Washington football team. Well, there weren't emails released 
<laughs> having to do with that. There were emails having to do with John Gruden and used uh, terrible language and describing uh, people of color and, and saying that women didn't deserve to be coaches or, or excuse me, uh, uh, officials and that uh, Roger Goodell was an F word for, uh, for homosexual and uh, called them a pussy and so forth. All sorts of really terrible things that emails over a, a number of years, uh, but most of them were, you know, 10 years ago. You feel like John Gruden was unfairly uh, ostracized from the league. I do. I do. For one, you're talking uh, about hateful language that I don't advocate. None of us are going to go on the record and say we support that. Nobody's going to say that. Not even John Gruden is going to say, I stand by what I said in 2011. He's apologized for it. But you're talking about dialogue that was said in a private setting, which again, it doesn't make it less deplorable. However, he wasn't even an NFL employee at the time. He wasn't a coach. He wasn't representing the organization. And we're talking about something that he said 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I think as I told you uh, yesterday, I'm not proud of this. When I, when I grew up, uh, I know that I said things like, ah, oh, man, that's gay. And it was just like, in my head, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to like talk about homosexuals when I say that. But inadvertently, out of my own ignorance, I was. Mm -hmm. But it's something that I said, and I meant it in a demeaning way. So I know if you talk to me at, at like 1995 or 6, like it could have been something like, man, Jeff Graham's not with the Bears anymore. Man, that's gay. I mean, I would be. That's so not what John Gruden said in these emails. That's well, two I know, totally I know. different. We things. all say things that we, we're not proud of, is what I'm saying, though. And and I definitely would be absolute. I'm bearing my soul right now. That's something I said all the time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. until like I grew up older. I was like, man, I can't say that shit. What was I thinking? But you know, times change, and 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 I, I've never been on the prejudice side because I grew up, like I said, with other races. Uh, that was never an issue. But maybe I was uh, too harsh on homosexuals at the time, not even realizing that I was just out of sheer ignorance. So my, what I'm saying is my point is all of us have, have said things in the past that we're not proud of. And this is something that he emailed somebody and then they're just going to go sift through again. We got through the emails in the 2016 election. Why are we talking about emails again? Why is this relevant? And even if I think he's a hateful fuck, I think Tucker Carlson's a hateful fuck. And I think he's, you know, as a conspiracy theorist, but do I think Tucker Carlson should be canceled on Fox? No, I do not. And, and I don't think John Gruden should have to go. But I, let me let me stop my rant, but say this to you. Tim Brown come to his defense. Tony Dungy's come to his defense. And Mike Tirico. All three black men that know him solidly that say, I can vouch for this man. He's not a racist. And everyone tells me that Tony Dungy is the voice of authority with the National Football League, the moral authority. So when you have these men defending him and some of his players defending him and he's apologized, at what point do we stop crucifying ben, people ben, over mistakes? Ben, all of those comments from Dungy and Tariqa were made on Sunday before the release of more emails. That's a fair point. That's a detailing fair point. The, the egregious nature of these, these comments made by John Gruden. He has a gay, an openly gay player on his team, Carl Nassib. How is he supposed to make eye contact with this guy? If Carl Nassib knows that this guy believes 
that they're, excuse my use of the word, faggots, that, you know, that they don't belong in football. Uh, how is he supposed to lead a team where he's made these anti-black comments over a period of time, even if it is a, a, a while ago? That's just, you can't have a boss like that. You can't have a coworker like that because just because it happened 10, 9, 8 years ago, it still means that that's how he felt and, and was able to liberally use that language over a period of years and that's reprehensible and unacceptable. Jim Trotter, who is an analyst for NFL Network, put it really well here. This, look, the thing that's most disturbing here is that John Gruden was talking to a club president. Yep. He was talking to someone who is responsible for hiring and firing in the NFL at the highest levels. So whenever we are told that there's a lack of pipeline for black people to these positions, we as blacks knew, or I'll speak for myself, I knew that was BS. So now when we read what John Gruden said, to me, that speaks to the culture of why potentially some of these people are not being hired in these positions. And the NFL needs to do something about it. Me personally, I'm tired of slogans. I'm tired of hashtags. I'm tired of black national anthems before the game. Action speaks louder than word. And at some point, the league has to step up here and make change. And Dan, frankly, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm talking to you like a brother. I'm tired of liberals making excuses for this behavior. If you were a person of color, Dan, if you were a woman, if you were a member of the LGBTQ community, perhaps then you can see how hurtful this is and how it hurts your chances for advancement in society. That's the problem. There are a lot of white liberals who just excuse this shit because it, they don't, they can't empathize with what the issue is, and and I'm I'm talking to you straight like a brother. I'll give you a, a big hug next time I see you. But that's, no, no, I'm not that's, offended. I'm that's, not that's go, the ahead, problem. go ahead. So I I I think that if you were to step back and look at what people are saying, the people who have been affected by this, the people who find this intolerable, listen to them with an empathetic ear. I think you'll maybe change your tune. Well, my response to that, and it's a defensive one, I'm going to be honest, just because I'm white doesn't mean I don't have empathy for other for other ethnic groups or other cultures. I mean, that just comes with your education and your ability to think. I don't have to be of a quote unquote minority to to empathize with said minority. And, and again, I don't want to sound too harsh when I say that, but I think that you're just dismissing my my feelings is, oh well you're white so you don't understand and I, and I don't believe that's true and you're entitled to that opinion and i respect you and like you said man like i'm so good with you like i'm not offended but i'm just i'm just going back and saying i feel like i can't understand it and i don't think anything you said was right and but now you can educate me on this did he say the n-word because all i heard now i could be wrong what i read was that he said that the player rep had big lips uh, you could say Mick Jagger has big lips. That doesn't mean you're saying you hate black people is all I'm saying. And even if he did say it, even if he did say that, I don't agree with it. Like I told you, I don't agree with anything on the Fox News channel. I don't agree with anything Donald Trump said for four years. Grab him by the pussy, all that stuff. And and our fucking president was saying that with, with absolutely no accountability other than finally Twitter said, okay, we're taking you down because of January 6th. Why is John Gruden the one that is held accountable 
versus say the president. I mean, when, when does it end? Like it, it, it feel like you can come up with anything bad that anyone has done or said at any point in their lives and say, well, that's it. You got to go. And that's all I'm saying, man. I, I don't have to. If you told me right now that Matt Nagy had a problem, like let, I'll say Lovey Smith, if Lovey Smith had a problem with white people when he was the bears coach, he's like white, white players are slow. They're stupid. They, they, they're uneducated. I, I would never fuck a white woman, whatever. And it still meant the bears won super bowl 41. He could hate me all fucking day. I don't give a shit. I just want to win. And from my perspective, Gruden has proven that he was a Super Bowl champion coach. And I don't think because he he could still do his job is what I'm saying, even if he felt that way. But, hey, if the Raiders want him to go, it is an organization. If I made those statements, my job could fire me, too. Well, and apparently, you know, they've couched this as he submitted his resignation because he didn't want to be a distraction. I think, you know that if that's the case, that he was totally right. It's impossible for him to coach that team. It's impossible to for him to work with the half dozen African-American uh, coaches on that staff. It's it's just impossible. He, it, it, to me, I understand your point. You know, there should be, there perhaps should be a statute of limitations on things like that. We're going through a transition in this country where people are starting to learn how, how things that are said or, or what people do can be very, very hurtful. And, you know, we've gone through hundred uh, over 200 years of uh, a white supremacist attitude towards others in this country that has been very hurtful and has stopped people from making a decent living and has stopped people from getting a fair chance that has led to income disparities and inequality and all sorts of, of life. And this is a symptom of that type of attitude that still is that still prevails. He may have said those things 10 years ago, but it still prevails. And in order to stop that kind of thinking and to stop that kind of behavior, you have to have an intolerant uh, approach to it. You got to say, dude, you're fucking gone. There's just no way we want you around. Even if you said those things years ago, because if you give the guy a break, then the shit is going to continue. There's still going to be walls to that people are going to hit, people of color, people from the LGBT community, and other people, they're still going to smash up against those walls because those attitudes aren't going to go away. you got to well, punish Conversely, it. something I'm paraphrasing, and I'm stealing it, I'm giving full attribution to Bill Maher, and you probably saw it as well. Uh, he was talking, I don't remember which college, but there was a college group that was saying, you know what, cancel Abraham Lincoln. He, he, he's a racist. He's like, at what, I mean, if we're canceling fucking Lincoln, like at what point does the woke, the woke shit, I mean, it's just eating itself up is what he was saying. If you're going back 250 years and looking for reasons to criticize Abraham fucking Lincoln. Again, like it's a, apples and oranges. We're not talking about okay, what well, happened. Go, back, go to the Tucker Carlson thing then. If, if, should Tucker Carlson be fired because I disagree with him? Absolutely and he not. he hateful shit every night. Absolutely not. But if he is saying things like he has that are putting people's lives in danger, yeah, he should be fired. Tucker I Carlson think Tucker is a white supremacist. Well, That's my opinion. And, and that I can't prove that. That is, str is strictly my opinion. And it's based on the stuff he has said over the years. But I don't think he should be fired because of that opinion. Nor do I think uh, the lady that's on MSNBC at 7 o'clock Eastern, uh, what's her name, Joy Reid? Mm-hmm. 
Joy Reid has said a lot of things that alienated me as a white person, but I don't think that she should be ousted just because I feel like she's got an ounce of prejudice in her and that's being, that's being kind. So I, I don't think that, again, I don't want to defend Gruden for what he said. I, I'm not, I'm just thinking this is an example in our culture right now that if you're accused of anything, right or wrong, maybe you are guilty. I don't think it's right to say, okay, the rest of your life, you are a pariah. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Like, I don't think Gruden will never work on Monday night football again. Thank He'll you. never coach again. Thank you. He was, he wasn't well, very good at either one of those. <laughs> Let's assume for a minute that he hadn't coached in the NFL a long time and didn't have this big contract, you know, that he had 10 years, however many, I'm assuming he's okay financially, but let's assume for a minute he, he wasn't, let's say he'd gone through a divorce, something. And how's he going to make money? How's he going to make a living? How does an average person make a living if this happens to them? You know, that's what I'm saying it to me. Like when you just say you're ostracized, you're gone, you're a pariah, fuck you. We don't care. You never work again. Like that could be me one day. I mean, I don't want that to be me or somebody I know based upon something. Again, I haven't said anything the way he's been accused of saying, obviously. And I can say that with the utmost sincerity, but still like, well, you used to say things are gay. I mean, and they, that's, you're again, a bigot. You again, go. that's just totally, totally different. You know, and, I don't think so. I think it, I think if, if you can hammer him for saying this, where does the line stop? Like who, who, who says, well, that's enough. No, no, you can go this far, but not this far. You know, it's just, it feels like it, it just continues then. And if you make a mistake, you're fucking gone. Mm. You're gone. No matter what you, you might as well kill yourself. All right. So uh, last question I have for you, and then I want to bring John Santucci in here so he can share his thoughts and maybe give us kind of the pulse of what's going on in the, in the, chat room regarding this topic but the last question i have for you dan is what happens if you learn that one of your bosses you have multiple jobs one of your bosses um had said via email private conversation but it became revealed it, it was revealed that he was against white people from west virginia and that he thought that they were white trash and that they were never going to advance in uh, in his company and that um, that many of them were just stupid hillbillies and so forth and just laid out a whole bunch of things that were basically talking about you. How would you feel I'm gonna, about I, that? I have a small answer for this, uh, and I'm not going to attribute the quote to anybody because I, I don't feel like that's appropriate. I can tell you that a person above me uh, that happened to be black uh, in my job at on the clock in, in at the, at the job, I'm not going to say which job doesn't matter. Recently was talking about the Halle Berry film monsters ball where she's getting, uh, uh, you know, fucked by Billy Bob Thornton. It's, you know, interracial sex stuff. Hmm? This person of color told me that that was despicable. And was just saying it from me, like, I would never sleep with a white person. That's absolutely, I, I don't want to quote or miss a trip. This is a paraphrase. I would never, ever lay down with a white person. I might as well lay down with a dog. Mm-hmm. That's literally what was said in front of me and another white person. And because we were beneath this person, we, we were just like, what? We, we can't, you can't say anything. Mm-hmm. 
But what, what do we do? You just, I mean, I didn't sit around and say, oh, well, I, I you know, I'm, I hate this person now. Uh, my, my checks kept coming in. So the, I, you bought me off, I guess. So this, but was yet, this but person, I think if I have said that on the flip side of that, I would have been fired. Well, but, but was this person the owner of the place or just your superior? Not the owner, but definitely my superior in, in a, a, a huge gap, so, a huge disparity on, on, on that. So aspect. do you think that what that person said uh, sh should have disqualified him from working at the company or being a boss of others? In all honesty, if I had it my way, that person uh, should have been, I should have been able to convey to them like how disrespectful I thought that was, but it wasn't worth the fight. And I would have lost the fight if I would have tried to attempt to have that fight. So I just, I just swallowed it and went on. Uh, do I think that person X should have been fired? No, uh, I don't think that uh, the comments, I don't even know if they realized how the comments could be viewed as it, I think sometimes it like it goes back to what I was saying to you a few minutes ago. Uh, it's like because I'm white, I'm not supposed to have feelings or something. You know what I mean? Like, like I told you before when we were talking, my my dad's family is Latino. You wouldn't know that because my grandmother is uh, was Irish, so I've got pale skin. So again, Aguirre was a Gary, mm -hmm. but you know I'm just a white fuck who nobody gives a shit about, and th that's fine. But I'm just saying white people have feelings too. And yeah, I didn't like the comment, but I took it. What, what could I do? I don't think that that person should have been fired. I don't think John Gruden should be fired. All right. Johnny Santucci, join us in here and tell me how you feel about this whole thing. How about those bears? <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh, there's so much to unpack here. You know, I mean, you're both not wrong. I mean, do I, I, I wonder, you know, reading between the lines, I wonder if, uh, you know, if Gruden wasn't kind of told, hey, it's probably best if you resign, you know, or did he resign on his own? I don't know. That's something we probably won't know. Um, but it, the bottom line is that we live in, I guess you could say new times because there is this uh, climate of, you know, correctness and, you know, uh, uh, cancel culture, you know, we just, and this is just the way people are saying to cut it out. You know, that's just the, the reaction that human beings are having to this right now is knock it off. We're, you know, we're going to cancel you. I'm not saying whether it's right or not. I'm just saying that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, so, uh, do I think, uh, John Gruden should have been fired? I don't know. I, I think he should have resigned and he did because like Aldo said, he can't coach that team anymore. It, it It's just too big of a distraction. Do I feel sorry for John Gruden and his, you know, ginormous salary? No, he's going to be fine. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing uh, uh, that John Gruden, John Gruden's going to take, you know, a hit in his, you know, his public, you know, cachette. He'll, uh, you know, uh, he, he's taken down a notch as far as like social credit score, but he's going to retire somewhere fantastic, have a couple nice houses, vacation houses. He's going to be fine. Uh, well, can I point out real quick too, gentlemen, interrupt you. If you recall about a year ago, Tom Brenneman got in trouble for saying something disparaging on uh, his mic was accidentally hot on air. He said something disparaging about homosexuals. 
lost his job with Fox, lost his job calling the Reds games on whatever their Fox Sports affiliates called. I, I can't remember, Fox Sports Ohio, whatever. And uh, Big Fox with the football games. He's someone that's less successful than John Gruden with the bottom line. So, again, that maybe that's an – I don't know if I feel sorry for Gruden in terms of his pocketbook, so to speak, but someone like Brenneman maybe needed that job. I don't know. I don't know Tom Brenneman's finances, but if it was a lesser person that literally couldn't make a, a living now, how would that affect anyone's opinion on it is what I'm saying. Like, it, what if he didn't have a lot of money? He needed to work. Where does he work now? But I think uh, there's somebody in the chat room here said this perfectly. And by the way, Heidi is in the chat room and she says that she cares about you. <laughs> Damn. I love Heidi. She loves me? you too. <laughs> I love Heidi too. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. What I, I, I got to find this. Uh, said some, somebody said something about uh, that Gruden is a public figure. He's a man with a lot of power. And so that's what's different about this. Dan is, you know, there, there is a, a difference between comparing you yourself and the things that you said, he's gay, and comparing a, a, a blue-collar, hardworking guy like you with John Gruden, who is a multimillionaire, who has a lot of power about who should play, who shouldn't play, who uh, gets hired, who doesn't get hired. He has a, a, a public image th that makes this much more egregious. Oh, I yeah, agree with that, I, agree. But I feel like that standard is still allocated to everybody in, in, within the zeitgeist that is 2021's culture. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, that's true about him he, with Gruden being a public figure, but I still think in my smaller world, this could also happen to me or, or someone else that I know, and the same thing would be like, well, you're gone. Mm -hmm. Well, where do you go then is what I'm saying. Like if, if it were someone that was more – uh, modest circumstances, that same standard is going to be dished out. And then where does that person go? I don't have kids, but let's just say I did. What if I had, like, John? John's got two. What if this happened to Tucher? Yeah, with, uh, not that I'm trying to say Tucher's. Well, he's a damn bigot, but I'm just saying, let's say he did. He's got a wife to support and two young children. And let's say it was his job that said, we don't like something you said in, in 2007 or whatever. You got to go. Where does he go? That's all, I, that's all I'm saying, but I, I digress. I've had my time. I've had my moment. Let me uh, give it back to Santucci. I'm sorry. Well, and let me let me share a couple of thoughts here um, uh, from the chat room. Uh, <laughs> Mr. X is saying Aldo is so lost. I, maybe I am. Maybe I'm, I'm totally off my rocker here. But Don Edwards says, Dan, you're entitled and privileged. That's why you feel it shouldn't be brought up and held accountable from 10 years ago. Black people ha has, have been through this systemic racism for 500 years. Okay. I got, oh, no, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. Why? I'm entitled and I'm fucking privileged when I grew up in a house where we literally, it's not a cliche where we didn't know where the fucking meal was going to come from every day. And I grew up privileged. I grew up wearing fucking hand-me-down fucking clothes from like the Salvation Army. And I grew up, I grew up in a fucking trailer. Fuck you. Whoever says I'm privileged and you can fire me from the podcast. Fuck you. Oh, uh, come on, Dan. Fuck you. Fuck me too. Not you. Not you. <laughs> I didn't grow up privileged any more than anybody else. And I didn't fucking whine about it. I went to fucking college. I borrowed every guy. I worked two jobs all the way through college. I've worked two jobs as an adult. 
And for someone to say that, that's why I got pissed a few weeks ago. Oh, my words don't mean shit. Oh, you know what? Again, this is only being said right now because, oh, the white man can't be hardworking. The white man can't grow up poor. Fuck that, man. I Fuck that. And and Don responds here, and and I agree with him. I I understood what Don was saying. I think you misunderstood. He's saying that's not the type of privilege we're talking about here, Dan. The, the the type of privilege that most white people don't understand that they have is that doors are constantly being open. You lived in a trailer. You didn't know where your meals were coming. But guess what? You had opportunities that people of color, people from the LGBTQ. Yeah, I was a we were welfare recipients. But so yeah, yeah, and, and again, my dad was a fucking veteran who couldn't hold a job because he had schizophrenia, and my mom was trying to put three kids through school, and all three of us graduated from college, and all three of us borrowed our fucking money and went on. Why do I even have to say this? It, I, I do agree with, with Dan's point of view there, I, and I, I've had this discussion on social media and face-to-face -face with a lot of my white friends. I don't think that they fully understand what white privilege means. Look, and I, 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 this isn't a privilege issue. I grew up in the same economic level as anyone else that was poor, regardless of the color of my skin. If you want to say other, like, other groups should, should be judged on their merit, then why am I not judged on my merit? Why am I not judging my ability to work hard and to overcome and and just I didn't I didn't do drugs. So many people I, I felt sorry for themselves. They got on drugs. They went to jail. I fucking worked hard and got everything I earned. I mean I fucking worked hard my whole life, and I shouldn't have to tell this guy that who doesn't even fucking know me. Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck him. Jeez, I've never seen you this angry. He's a fucking racist. He's a racist. No, if I he's said not. That about him, if I said that about him, I would be a racist. And I'm so sick of this shit. I, how many fucking times I have to advocate for Black Lives Matter or anything else, but yet it's not good enough because, you know what, you're still just white. It doesn't matter how poor you grew up. Nobody gives a fuck because you're white. And fuck that. Don Edwards says, oh, my God, with all the poverty, you still have to understand that white people's privileges doesn't haven't. Uh, have anything to do with economics it's about race care to comment on what? that he wants to view everything and and he wants to be a victim then and say that everyone's out to get him because of his race and i can't change his viewpoint i can tell you right now all i've done is try to work and be the best person i can be and the, and i definitely have never been accused of being a racist but but by one guy at my job few years ago or no a year ago because i accidentally forgot to take his garbage out and ultimately he got fired because he kept calling everybody racist on everything they did i mean if covid would if he'd have gotten covid he had said covid was racist and and this gentleman so beyond that but fuck it all right i'm a scumbag fuck it i'm white kill me <laughs> I, I just have to laugh at this dad because i think your uh your reaction to this is um, a bit overblown. Um, I understand your sensitivity to it, but that that same passion that you hold when people are saying that you're privileged is the same passion people of color have for having to endure 500 years of inequality, 
of and systemic I racism. All of that. You acknowledge I, it, but you're but you're not fully understanding. No, I, I do understand what you're saying within relation to John Gruden, but to suggest that I grew up privileged just because I was white in a fucking trailer in West Virginia, then again, you're just painting things with broad brushes, and there's no difference between you or David Duke in that regard. I totally disagree with you. Totally well, I totally disagree with you on that. Though. Okay. Because you're generalizing who I am just because I'm white. And I say you in second person. I don't mean you, Aldo Gandhi. I mean the other gentleman. To just to suggest you know who I am and what my struggle was just because I was white. Man, that's just so fucking narrow-minded. <laughs> All right. Uh, John, I, I, I welcome wonder. to uh, Dan and Aldo bear their souls. I mean, John Santucci, how's this for a uh, first show, huh? What a what a show to jump in on. <laughs> I, 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 maybe I, I understand what Dan's saying. I mean, I I wonder if any of the races can understand each other's feelings and points of view, and uh, it maybe it is just down to let's move on from here forward and and treat each other the same, and that's. I think what everyone's trying to say is it is it difficult? Yeah, hell yes, it's difficult. You know, it wouldn't be diff- we would be talking about if it wasn't a difficult topic. But uh, is there maybe? I mean, I think what Dan's frustrated about is that uh, he he kind of feels that there's no any anything that we say or do maybe will never be accepted as understanding maybe we can never understand it and that's what i'm saying is that maybe we can never understand each other's points of view and with that said where do we go from there and i'm saying we got to go forward treating each other with respect and if the public is gonna say hey your past behavior wasn't good you know this is this is what the, a reaction to all of this mm-hmm. you know i uh i i don't know i mean when i was a kid uh I was sensitive to this stuff too, as well. I used to have, uh, I, I went to high school in the eighties. So, uh, uh, we, we had, you know, gay people were coming out and, and even back then I had gay friends and stuff. And I realized that when people would say things like that's so gay or whatever, I knew that it was wrong. So my, fr- my friends and I devised a term, uh, instead of saying gay or, you know, anything like that, we would say it was eggy, you know, and that meant it was uncomfortable, you know, God, that is so eggy. You know, that's what we would say. We still, my friends from high school, we still say that is so eggy, you know, and it just meant uncomfortable, you know, like uh, if someone said something, you know, it was just a faux pas or whatever, that was really eggy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we devised our own kind of way of, of, uh, of, of being politically correct, even before political correctness came to the forefront. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, everyone uh, just needs to stop, look and listen. I think listen to each other. Dan, how are you feeling? Mortified, mortified. I should have just taken this gentleman's is his uh, hateful fucking comments toward me and just told him, just brushed him off. It's my fault for getting emotional. I'm embarrassed. And if you want me to fucking quit, no sarcasm, I will. No, come on, get out. Of course not. <laughs> These are all human things not, that happen. That's how fucking small I feel right now. I don't feel six five. I feel four fucking two. <laughs> You know, you can watch watch Squid Game with Malice, and I know he'll run away from it and not stand up like a fucking man and say, I meant that as an insult. Because when people, you get insulted, they're like, oh, you've got thin skin. I didn't mean it that way. Well, own up to it like a goddamn man. You meant it as an insult. But I should not have been an asshole 
and reacted to it. I saw the stimuli and I should have just let it go. That's on but, me. But that's but, on me. But Dan, I said it first. I, I I said it first, and 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 Don amplified on it. So here's he's written something else here. It says Dan is saying there is no such thing as systemic racism in America. It Did is I say that? Did I say that one time? Have I ever said that? Do you think I've ever thought that? Uh, Aldo, you know me well for what three years now? Yes. Four years? Do you honestly think that I think there's no such thing as racism? Absolutely not. You, you thank you. You are thank aware you. that there is racism. Yeah, of course. Uh, he goes on to say it exists, and unfortunately, powerful white people who can exercise their who can exercise their deep inert stereotypes against others. So why don't we leave it there? And by the way, Beth Bullard says, "I love you, Dan Aguirre." I love Dan Aguirre too. I don't deserve any love right now for being so upset. But <laughs> if someone was able to denigrate Nonsense. everything you've ever done your entire life just by saying well, you're white, you don't get it, you're privileged. I think if that was thrown back at you for whatever reason, you would also be like, man, fuck that. I like, I've, worked, man, I've worked hard my entire fucking life since 12th grade. I've had a job. Yep. I've had I, two jobs my entire adult life. You know, what fucking privilege do I have? So I'm saying I, I get that there's racism. And, and if we're talking about hierarchy and things like that, I get it. I fucking cried when I saw the vice president coming out. I cried when Obama was elected. I mean, goddamn! Like, I shouldn't have to say that. Fuck it. if he thinks I'm a bigot, then fuck him. Fuck it. whatever. I'm an ass. I think. Uh, I think what they're saying is that even the poorest white person has advantages that regular people of color do not, and that's all he's saying. I don't think he's saying anything like, you know, Dan doesn't believe in systemic racism or anything like that. I think that's the bottom line of what he's saying. I could be wrong, but I, I might as well be Rush Limbaugh up here, I guess. <laughs> this this is a hot topic and so it this is just an example of how, what this subject is doing to america and so we yeah. all have to work better at just as john santucci said of listening to other points of view and trying to have civil discussions about this and i think now is the time to talk about football what do you think dan i I'll, I don't even know how I fit in the show at this point, honestly. Oh, come on. Come on. We're going to talk football. Everybody wants to hear your stories about famous Bears-Packers rivalry. But why don't we start with the media report that you put together? Why don't you lead up to it, uh, Mr. Aguirre? Um, I had so much more, but I had that high school football game last night that just put me so behind. Mm -hmm. So, And then I had to rush when I got in tonight. And unfortunately, I had to cut it short. It's about 12 minutes. I had more stuff like to utilize, but um, unfortunately, um, that uh, that I had to stay on the cutting room floor. But I've got some uh, national perspective with Boomer Esaias, and I've got Chicago podcast, and I've got Chicago radio from the Score, from ESPN 1000, and from WGN. All right, we'll play that now, and uh, it's about what 12 minutes, Dan. It is. And I, I hope you'll listen because there's one thing in it that I specifically cater to you. Oh, dancing girls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we go. Jumbo formation. <laughs> Fake it. Fields. Throws. Caught. Touchdown. Horstead on the receiving end for Chicago.
That was the first ever Justin Fields touchdown pass. Bears 20, Raiders 9, over 500, winning on the road. A couple of things. Number one, the offensive line had their best day of the year. They actually controlled the line of scrimmage. And Raiders, they had a pretty good pass rushing group out there. They caused some problems. Yeah, the quarterback got hit some, OB. But you know what? It wasn't him taking a beating in the pocket. He was trying to make a few plays, and he got whacked. But to his credit, he showed great toughness. And you got to love the kid. But I got to tell you, coming out of nowhere was this rookie, Khalil Herbert. I, I, I'm telling you, the kid was, was money. And what we needed was for them not only to, to pound away, but just wear down the Raider defense. And you know what? A lot of good things happen when you win at the line of scrimmage wearing people down. Danny, what, what we did, we basically sometimes in some of those off-tackle plays, okay, and, and switch plays, we, were, we had six offensive linemen in the game as opposed to when we started out last week when we came out and we started out with the twins tight end situation. Well, we came out a little bit. Mostly, I, I don't know, I could say, was it a majority of times? No. But a lot of times we went with six offensive linemen and they pounded and they blocked and we got and the backs ran like hell today. They fought for every yard just like Montgomery. And it was a great victory today. It was. But I'll tell you what, they went out there, they met the challenge and they took care of business. And let's take care of Green Bay come this Sunday at noon. I think the Raiders are going to have to change their logo on the side of the helmet. They're going to need two eye patches on that guy now. <laughs> Huge day for Roka. We got time to talk. What we said after they beat the Lions, and you know, we would sit there and give the caveat of the Lions aren't very good, and that still that still holds true. But they won a game, and Fields wasn't great, and Fields might not have been good. He was he was okay, and he's only going to get better. And I think that's he was the, better. He he was better today, Pet. Right. He's been he's been better each of these three starts. And it's not amazing. I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah, but it's a passer rating of 90. Yeah. Right. There has, there has been there has been progress. Mm-hmm. And already. I mean, yeah. And, and the other thing too is I mean, you know, the Bears didn't trail against the Lions. And then when they um, you know, against the Raiders, what they were down three nothing at the start of the second quarter. I mean, they've they've not only been in these games, but they've been, yeah. um, you know, they've they've had them in control for, you know, at minimum seven of the last eight quarters, and, and it hasn't been particularly close. Potsy, is this as impressive of a defensive performance as the Bears have had since when? I, I was trying to think, and I mean, you know, you know, them beating Tom Brady is a pretty good place to start, but you know, that was eleven months ago. It probably goes back to last year because uh, this was an offense that was going pretty good, uh, at least earlier in the season. See, overall, I'd say this is the best, um, especially considering they didn't need uh, turnovers to kind of uh, fuel it. It was more this is more of a standard good defense yeah. performance. And also when you consider how gashed they were on the run without Hicks two years ago, and they're actually you know still pretty good defense. And this time it was just totally different. That was the big surprise for me is that they were able to uh, stop, uh, you know, I had the Raiders scoring 24 points in my prediction, and it was all based on them being able to run the ball and control them, and they could not at all. And the Bears, without Hicks doing that, uh, credit to their depth, credit to Eddie Goldman, um, 
just in general, just credit to their defense. Aldo, how about that rushing attack? Because that took so much pressure off of Justin Fields and allowed him to be, have an efficient day, 12 of 20 for 111 and a touchdown. But it's got to feel good knowing you can just hand that ball off to one of those two running backs and they're gonna and they're gonna get you some yards. Both Herbert and Williams averaged over four yards per carry. Uh, Herbert with four point two, and Damian Williams with four uh, four yards even. That's just so big for the development of this quarterback. Absolutely. You, you guys all know that I'm the old timer here at the Barroom Network, and I always go back to NFL films for inspiration. There's a famous line read by John Facenda, that voice of God, and he said. Uh, go, go forward them and, and fight, fight them. them. Be, Be savage, savage again. Club Dub was, I mean, we couldn't see it, but it, the locker room was adjacent to the interview room, and it was loud and the music was still blasting during the interviews and they didn't seem to care it's almost like they're making a point of making it extra extra loud after the comments that John Gruden made a couple years ago kind of ripping the whole thing uh and actually I guess I didn't realize so after the game Kev it was obvious that that London game still stuck with Matt Nagy stuck with the players and it was a thing today. Yeah, well, that, that London game, everything fell apart, and that was like the beginning of the end, right? Like that, that season went on a, on a spiral after that loss. And I was a little surprised how open he was, Eddie Jackson was, like that they remembered that game. Uh, and, and that was probably added some motivation for them today. I got to say, if you're ever going to give up a 12-play drive, a good way to do it is to have it end in a field goal, right? But 12 plays after your quarterback just took on a horrendous shot and was – Looked like he was going to throw up on the sidelines. They brought a trash can over to him at one point. He was obviously in pain. But that long drive that the Bears defense actually gave up, they held him to a field goal, and it allowed Justin Fields to kind of get back to feeling okay, at least well enough to get back out in the game. Yeah, he said he got the wind knocked out of him. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we were all watching him. And what was interesting about that whole sequence, Adol never put a helmet on. Yeah. He played catch with Fields. Like he, I, everybody was very calm. I think they. But knew. he had an earpiece in. And he never took it out. Like yeah. he was going to come into the game. I think everybody knew what was wrong with Fields. Just like, will he be ready to go? And that was what the defense did. It was. I don't want to call it a bend, but don't break. They give up a few good big plays, a couple coverage miscues, but like that's what they did again. Is like they just made the stops when they needed to. I got to tell you, I didn't see that one coming, and we had talked about it uh, on the pregame show, and. Um, I, I think when you look at what the Bears managed to do, it's pretty extraordinary that they got on the road. They beat a team they weren't supposed to beat. They had, you know, what you could argue is the best win of the Matt Nagy era, certainly uh, since 2018. Yeah, with everything that I thought going into that game, you know, thought they had no chance. Uh, anything with all the injuries, them losing their two key guys, in my opinion, uh, David Montgomery and Akeem Hicks. I couldn't find a way for them to win that game. And then if you looked at the injuries they had in game, during the game, Jesse James out, J.P. Holtz out, uh, what was going to be their plan on offense? Uh, you know, we saw Alex Bars out there uh, basically playing tight end for the whole game. And then a Fetty goes on and Wilkinson comes in. And uh, just a great performance uh, for those Chicago Bears. I didn't think they could win that game. Uh, they played hard for their coach. 
uh, good good performance, especially for Coach Nagy. Uh, you know, giving up the play calling, uh, being the head coach. It, the guys look like they're playing for him. Uh, the effort they gave on defense. Uh, Robert Quinn out there. He was, I know Mac had a great game and dominated, but uh, Robert Quinn's effort kind of sets the tempo early on. Gets up the field, drops. I think it was Jacobs uh, for no gain of our own Colton Miller, and just sets the tempo for the whole day. That the pace that that team was going to play at. Uh, they played a violent style of football yesterday, and they went in there and they got that win, and, and that was an impressive day for them. Hey, we could talk about the win as well. The thing that sticks with me most about this trip is the stadium. Now, maybe I'm weird for saying that, but the only thing I could think of when we were there was, my goodness, how great would it be if something like this was dropped right in the middle of Arlington Heights because the amenities were incredible. You never felt cramped. Uh, there was an area outside the stadium where you could go in the, in the, in the arena, go outside, it was just glorious. I got to wow, tell you, really? it was unbelievable. Inside, it was fantastic. The whole experience going to a game there, stadium was unbelievable. The idea of not being cramped. I love that. I love the sound of that. Like, you know, wide open expanse, right? I mean, it, it, lots of ins, lots of outs. That sounds good to me. Like, good fortune is part of sports. You guys know that as well as anybody. And sometimes you create your good fortune, but other times good fortune falls into your lap and it's what you make of it. And the the Raiders made mistake after mistake after the uh, after mistake, and the Bears kept it simple. They ran the football. They didn't ask Justin Fields to do too much. They played excellent defense, took care of the ball, and you walk away with a win. And, you know, look, who, who would have ever thought coming off that debacle against the Browns a couple of weeks ago, we'd be sitting here at three and two. I mean, it- they won. They won as an underdog on the road. Obviously, he did not have a tremendous amount to do it with it. But what were your impressions? Yeah, I thought was, uh, he played tough, man. You know, the whole team played tough. This is the monsters of the midway. This is exactly what the Chicago Bears should look like. <laughs> and this is how they need to win games. And uh, that's exactly what happened yesterday. You know, since he has started, guys, I went back and looked at some of these things. He's been tra- pressured 24 times. He's been sacked 12 times. That's the most in the NFL since he became the starter back in week three. He hasn't had a completion uh, of 20 yards, no completion of 20 yards or more yesterday. You guys saw that and has nine rush attempts since becoming the starter. So you could see that the kid has got the toughness to play the position. So the physical toughness, I'm not worried about. But what I was telling you guys last week, I do worry about him getting hurt or doing something that he's not accustomed to doing because he's not really sure about what he's doing. And that almost happened yesterday with that hyperextended knee. So Um, It happens fast in the NFL. He's learning uh, on the run here. Um, That team really supported him yesterday. And after the game, he said that, which is uh, what a leader should do. So all the attributes are there for for a kid to be really a good player in this league for a long time. We just have to go through the growing pains. And, you know, the next four weeks are the Packers, Bucks, 49ers, Steelers, and Ravens. What's the right way to start sprinkling in more, Boomer? Well, usually what's going to happen here, there'll be a game where they get behind and he's going to have to throw. There's no question about that. And that's usually when that will happen. And like I was saying for Zach Wilson here in New York, you know, or, or, um, what's his name? Uh, Daniel Jones. When those guys get behind in games, you know, these are not meaningless throws. These are not meaningless moments on the field. Uh, that they, they need to throw the ball. They need to be in the mix. They need to feel the pressure. And that will happen to Justin over the next few weeks. you got a lot of good teams coming in. This is going to be a huge, huge – I can't imagine how excited 
Bears fans are this week for the uh, for the Packers game and what it's going to be like at Soldier Field. It's going to be madness, and I would imagine this defense is going to be up for it. Great stuff, Dan Aguirre. Are you there, Dan? Yeah, I'm here. Are you okay, man? No, not at all. Take a big deep breath, man. Do you want to continue doing the show? Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Want to talk Bears? Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's go. Come on, Dan. I hate it when you're you're upset. Dan Aguirre? I'm here. Let's. I'm letting you drive the car. All right. I'm going to drive it. All right. Do you, uh, I'll ask both you and Tooch this question. Do you believe that the Bears are now legitimate playoff contenders based on what you have seen the last two weeks? Tooch, why don't you start? I do. And uh, I told you that the uh, oh, first time I came back, it was that this division could be one, you know, nine and eight. You know, uh, ten and seven, nine and eight would probably get you in in this division. The Bears are three and two right now. This, the week week five is always a critical week in the NFL. It's where teams, you know, they 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 take that step. They're either going to be you know two and three or one and four. One and four teams don't make the playoffs that often. Two and three teams have a, a better shot. Three and two teams have you know a lot better shot than uh, two and three. Three and two has a lot better shot. Bears are three and two. Next week will be the ultimate test. We'll probably know for sure how well they play against the Packers. The Packers are, they're not invincible, you know, like past few seasons, you know, like Dan said, we haven't, we haven't beaten the Packers since 2018. So (laughs) there's added incentive there. If this team can't get up for the Packers, you know, this week, uh, then no, they're not a playoff team. I think it'll be a close game. You know, already the, the line I think is four and a half. So already odds makers think, you know, this will be a closer game than normal. And I tell you that the defense really blackened the Raiders' eyes. You know, I really saw you got, they got great pressure from their three main pass rushers, uh, uh, Gibson, Mack, and, and Quinn were able to put some pressure on. And then the linebackers played fantastic, too. Roquan Smith was everywhere. Uh, you know, the middle linebackers played Alec Ogletree making plays. Um Second, there was good coverage in the secondary. The Raiders probably aren't as good a team as we think. You know, they they had uh, they started fast and came back down to earth quickly. But the changes that the Bears made as far as Nagy calling plays, uh, giving up play calling duty, that's really helped. They're they're a lot better team when Nagy is not calling plays. Bill Lazor's calling the plays. You saw it was a lot of uh, a lot of extra tight ends. Even had they had offensive linemen in at tight end. You know, sixth. Six offensive linemen so they could run the ball. I mean, Nagy, we've had a game, was it last year in New Orleans? I think he ran the ball seven times in the whole game. Bill Lazor puts a lot more emphasis on running the game. That's how you wear down defenses, and then you soften them up for the fourth quarter, and that's what happened. Uh, uh, the the uh, Raiders' defense was gassed. You know, Herbert and, and Williams really made big plays in the running game. Uh, there was a couple uh, – the fact that they put Justin Fields in and let him – drive over Andy Dalton, you know, I, I couldn't be happier because uh, there's no point in developing Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is a guy that if Fields were to leave for a series or two, Andy Dalton comes in. 
you know, Fields is the guy that you have to put all your, you know, your eggs in the basket on. There was one play, I think it was third down. He whistled a pass in there and triple coverage only where Darnell Mooney could get it. And he was right across, he was across the, the first down marker. Critical, I mean, critical play. That was that, 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 that sealed the game, that play right there. That was a beautiful pass. You know, and I texted everybody I could. I was like, that pass, whoa. You know, that's what we've been looking for. Um, I just, I'm, I'm super happy. You can, he's going to make his mistakes, but he gives you, you know, a, an added dimension that teams have trouble preparing for. Dan, what do you think of the Bears a playoff contender? I can't tell you that yet. Uh, and that's not a cop out. Uh, if you just look at week six, that's coming up. If the Bears would win this game, they're by virtue in first place with the head-to-head win versus Green Bay. Both teams are four and two. But hypothetically, if the Bears lose, they're three and three, and then Green Bay's five and one. So then you're down two games plus essentially another one because of the head-to-head loss. So now you're in a three-game hole. Mm -hmm. And then Tucci's theory, which of course is not like crazy or, you know, uh, inaccurate on his face. But if he thinks that the division could be won with a nine and eight record, if you give Green Bay a five and one start, probably not. I mean, do, who thinks that Green Bay is suddenly going to lose two or three in a row or four in a row? I mean, it's very doubtful. And I don't want to praise Rodgers any more than I wanted to praise John Gruden. But the guy always beats us. He's lost to the Bears five times. Jay Cutler got him twice uh, in uh, 2010 on a Monday night in week three, 2015 on Thanksgiving Day. Josh McCown got him in 2013. That's the Shea McClellan game. Uh, Kyle Orton got him in 2008 because of a um, blocked field goal at the end of regulation. I think Alex Brown was the one that blocked it on a Monday night game. Mm-hmm. And then uh, most recently, Mitchell Trubisky got him in 2018. Other than that, Rodgers always wins. So if you're telling me for since 2008, a guy that just continually kicks my ass over and over and over, then it's hard for me to have any confidence with it. But having said that, maybe this is the turning point. This is, you know, maybe this is the guy we've been waiting for to finally, even albeit at the end of a Rogers run, but maybe this is the guy that turns it the other way. You know, there for a while, Favre always beat us. And then when Lovey got here and Rex was playing, you can say what you want about Rex, but Rex was beating the Packers. And, you know, maybe Fields is the guy to to beat Green Bay. But this game's at home. I mean, you're coming off two big wins. You didn't, you didn't have your running back. You didn't have two tight ends. And you were still able to out-physical the other team when your weakness is supposed to be your line. So it's an un- unbelievable effort on Sunday. And as Bear fans, we should all be so proud of that. And I think not just us, just dummy meatball fucks on the, on the podcast who you know, love the Bears, I think the national perspective will be such, if the Bears win this game, there are going to be a lot of people saying, hey, the Bears are a team on the rise. They could make the playoffs. So the short answer to your question is, I don't know yet. we got to see what happens on Sunday. Now, of course, they could lose Sunday and then come back and win four or five in a row or whatever and just do something miraculous. That is plausible. Maybe not realistic. I just think that this is a measuring stick right now that says, okay, you know, Cincinnati was probably better than people gave us credit for. 
when the Bears beat them. I mean, like they took Green Bay to the brink. Uh, you know, Detroit is what Detroit is. They're 0-5, but again, they pushed Minnesota on Sunday and almost had a win. And I they I think they'll be competitive the majority of the season, even if they end up three and whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. So I don't think that the wins are something you just disparage and say, well, those don't count. And then the Oakland or the Las Vegas win it was a huge win. So I think you you can build this momentum now and turn it into something good. And and that starts on Sunday. So I do think if they can find a way to win on Sunday and keep fields healthy, you know, Dalton came in, had his completion on third and seven, which was big at the time. Cole didn't even have his rip protector on. And he came in and threw the pass, completed first down that long drive continued. And then fields came back onto the field, thankfully. Uh, but again, if the bears can win this game, then the arrow is extreme. It's pointed up, but it's, it's looking down significantly if they lose, because don't forget if they do lose, you're three and three, and you're going to Tampa the next week. Now we beat them last year, but they're scoring 45 seemingly every week now, and they're the reigning defending Super Bowl champion. So we're going to be probably what eight, nine point underdogs when we go down there. Mm-hmm. So uh, on paper, on paper, which I concede is only paper, the Bears could be three and four if they lose Sunday, because you're expected to lose the Tampa game. So th- this game means everything. Your divisional games are more important than. You're non, even if it's within the conference, your division games mean everything. So let's go and we can be two and oh in the division with this win. So I think if they can find a way Sunday, then yes, it's looking up and it looks like we got a shot at this thing, but it's out in front of us on Sunday. What do you think? I, I love the comment that Tareen Whitfield just made. He says we're three and two with the 30 or 30th second ranked offense. And so that's kind of a miracle. You know, that's going to go up, though. That arrow's pointing up. Yep, it sure is. Uh, and to me, based on what I've seen this season, th- this defense is back. It is back to 2018 level, and the only thing that can screw up this defense is if um, the defensive backfield uh, starts to uh, um, play at a level – less than what we've expected. Hopefully they're going to continue their progression and that the uh, Kindle Wilders and the, the Duke Shelley's and the, uh, are going to improve their play. Um, and it's interesting what Sean Desai is doing to hide some of those weaknesses. He's been playing a lot of dime uh, backs and, and you're seeing uh, 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 DeAndre Houston Carson uh, play a much more significant role on the defense. But what's exciting about what the Bears defense is is doing is that they're controlling the line of scrimmage. There, This has been something that has been a problem the last couple of years since the 2018 season. And when you look at Aaron Rodgers and the offensive line that he has, he's already been sacked 10 times this season. He was sacked only 20 times all of last season. And so they're missing their left tackle, David Bakhtiari. They got a new center. They, they allowed Corey Lindsley, their all-pro center, to, to leave the team. They've had some injuries up there. That offensive line is looking a lot like the Raiders' offensive line that the Bears completely dominated. So to me, this defense is a playoff contending defense. So the question now is, of course, is can the offense improve? And I agree with Tooch when he says it's trending up. 
I, I I thank you NFL schedule makers for making this first Bears contest against the Packers this, this season at Soldier Field. I think that's going to help the offense tremendously. It's going to help Justin Fields. He's going to see the importance of this game for the fans. He's going to get uh, revved up. I think, you know, if he's healthy, I think he's going to use his legs a lot more. He's going to take advantage of this defense that the Packers defense has some injury problems too. Jerry Alexander, their number one cornerback, a really good corner. He's not playing. So I expect A-Rob to have a a good six, seven, eight catches for 80-plus yards. Darnell Mooney, oh, my goodness. There's, you know, uh, uh, send him deep. Adrian Amos is not going to be able to cover him deep if they're going to play that cover two against him. So there, there's going to be a lot of really cool things in terms of matchups against the Packers that Bears fans should feel comfortable about. And the fact that uh, and everybody's right, this is the barometer. This is the measuring stick. And I just feel that based on what I've seen over the last two weeks, that the Bears can beat the Packers on Sunday and they will be a legitimate contending team. I was watching NFL Network today. And they they have this show called uh, Power Rankings, and they had the the Bears moving up six spots. I guess they were like at twenty nine or uh, or twenty eight, and they were up to twenty three, twenty two this week, and they were still below the Raiders. So a, a lot of people still don't believe in the Chicago Bears. I think after this week, there's going to be a lot of believers in this team uh, if uh, if some good things happen on offense. Let me point out, and I hate to be the negative person on this because obviously this mean, this game means so much uh, to me personally uh, and to all of us personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, the throws that Derek Carr threw the other day to Waller that were you know you got a man going deep and oh it's dropped mm-hmm. that never that doesn't happen with Green Bay <laughs> rarely right whenever our secondary which seems to blow at least one or two coverages a game. And allow somebody wide open, and and that's the only flaw in the defense thus far this year, mm-hmm. uh, other than maybe allowing these long drives at times where you can't get off the field. But they've been exceptional. Uh, but it worries me because when they have these like gaffes to where someone is just wide open, the Raiders couldn't take advantage of that the other day. Either the throw was a little bit too far, or someone drops it. That never happens with the Packers. Name me one time where you can think off the top of your head where Rodgers had a wide open receiver and didn't fucking connect with him. Where there was a bad throw or the receiver dropped it. It does not happen. Right. So the defense can't allow that. And my feeling is they're going to allow that because through five games, there's been one or two plays every game. So they're going to get two or like one or two quick touchdowns like they always do against us. And how do you respond? That's the thing. But I, I honestly believe that they have the wherewithal with, with uh, Bill Lazor and the, if it's a little John Shupish, Mm -hmm. it's a little 2001 bears. It's a little 1990 bears. I'll take it, but I'll take it. I'll take (laughs) it. I think we can run the ball. We can run the ball and we, and he can unleash the deep ball too. We saw it personally against Detroit. They, they've kind of hold, held him back so far and trying to let him grow. It's like he's on training wheels, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think they can win, but they're going to get th- those big shots are going to happen and they're going to connect against us. They always do. How do you respond? 
Well, and, and you make a good point. I mean, the last two weeks, these two victories, uh, there ha- we have gotten help from the opposition. You know, the the Lions with their stupid decisions to go for to go for it on fourth down, the mistakes they made in the red zone, they could have easily had fourteen or seventeen points out after their first three drives. Um, the the Raiders made their share of mistakes last week too. But you know that's the game of football, and and it's great that those things happen as a team is starting Let's to make be- them happen against Green Bay, though. Yeah, that's I'll, what I want. We I never you. have that happen against Green Bay. Yeah, I get you, and you know maybe now's the time. I remember that era with Aaron Rodgers. I'm mean, excuse me with uh, Brett Favre. Those last uh, two three seasons where Lovey Smith was beating the shit out of the Packers because. Favre was starting to age. The defense was super strong and so forth. And maybe we're going to be entering that era now against Rodgers and we're going to have their way with them. What do you think, Tooch? Uh, you know, the, 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 the Packers defense always seems to play like all pros when we, they play the Bears. You know, it's like they're not they, – they lost their best pass rushers at area Smith for the season, I think. Either that or he's on short-term IR. But uh, – they're not generating as much pass rush right. as uh, as they would, you know, with the the two Preston Smith and Zanaria Smith. They've got guys like Rashawn Gary uh, that are giving them some pass rush, but uh, they've had to they've had to blitz defensive backs to get a lot to get most of the pressure. I mean, uh, Cincinnati was able to throw on them, you know. I, mean, I don't know how many yards Burrow had, but they, it wasn't it wasn't hard to throw on them. Of course, like you said, Jerry Jerry Alexander's out. But whenever they play the Bears, their defense is like, you know, it's like three and out for the Bears. I don't know why. The Packers have no trouble getting up for the Bears. We just have to match that intensity and get up equally for the Packers. But I find I've been monitoring the chat. I find it I find it amusing that most of the people in the chat room are afraid that Matt Nagy's gonna take back play calling and they'll just sabotage uh, the next week's game. I honestly believe he's <laughs> a legitimate that. fear. After that Jacksonville game last year, and we had week 17, the final you know, game was at Soldier Field. Mm-hmm. I honestly believe that Nagy took over the play calling again, and I think he did against the Saints in the playoff game too. Yeah, I, I suspect that he did, but I, I got a, a different feel this year. I, I think that these heart-to-heart discussions they've had the last two weeks, I think it, it, it basically everyone pointed the finger at him and saying the play calling just isn't getting it done. Because you're so adamant about how ha- I think one of the reasons he was adamant about having Andy Dalton be the starter was because he felt like Andy Dalton could run his offense and that you didn't have to max protect and that you didn't have to chip blockers and that you didn't have to do all of these, run the ball. You could play his Dalton with his experience could play that offense. And which is why he kept fields off the field. Now, you know, all of this has come down. Laser says Fields is ready. Uh, uh, Laser says we need to lean on the running game more. The offensive line coach says we need a little more more help with the chipping and so forth. And that, that all pointed the finger to Matt, Matt Nagy, things he didn't want to do because it destroyed the schematics of his offense. And so he's laying low. He's He knows he has to because I think that he knows his job is on the line. If there's any suspicion at all that he has taken over the play calling and the Bears lose, uh, you know, that, that's that's his – bring out his coffin, man. He's as good as done. He's painted himself oh, into a corner. Out. All right, Tooch, go ahead. Go ahead, Tooch. 
Uh, he, he's painted himself into a corner, like we said last week, Aldo. With, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, yeah. With uh, giving giving uh, Laser the you know the uh, the open the door, you know, opening the door for uh, Laser to find success. You know, now mm-hmm. if if he were to take back play calling, you know, and uh, yep. there were to be you know no offensive success. I mean, Laser, his play calling, uh, running the ball to set up the pass. You know, that's what we had to do. Nagy Nagy just throws up pass plays up there like you know there's no there's no disguising his formations to set up run or pass you know you saw uh, Justin Fields you know with his uh uh his handoffs he'll fake you know even when he hands the ball off he's continuing the waggle out you know like pretending that he kept the ball mm-hmm. you know and then setting up the play fake you know that's that's how you you know that's how you set up big plays in the run whether it's the run or the pass you know, and that's uh, uh, Nagy. Uh, my, my surprise is, I mean, I don't know if I'm surprised, but it took him three, was it three and a half years to figure out he's, he was supposed to be the head coach and let, <laughs> let his offensive coordinator do the coordinating. I don't know. That's, that's the soundbite of the show right there. It has taken him a long time to realize, you know, I'm better at being the rah-rah guy. I'm better at being the overseer of all three phases. And I should let, you know, other people call the plays and, and handle all that. Because really, he's not that bad of a coach when it comes to just being the guy on the sideline arguing with the refs and, and firing up his players. He seems to yeah. do that really well. When, when to call time I think out. another point. I'm sorry. It's all right. Go ahead, Dan. I think another point that should be acknowledged, and I have been the one that was most critical of Khalil Mack, uh, and Mack and obviously the mighty Quinn are both making a, a large impact this season. And in the most recent era, the Nagy era of Bears football, our easiest win, our only win against Green Bay was at, at the game you were at, Soldier Field in 2018. And why? Why did we win that game? And they got a little bit close toward the end because that's, you know, the Bears do that. They let them back in it. But it was because Mac was just everywhere and getting pressure on Rodgers. And, and he was the disruptor that we wanted him to be. Well, suddenly he is again. Mm-hmm. On Sunday, he's credited for one sack, which is allow me to, to say that's bullshit because A, one was a sack on a two-point conversion. So that's two sacks. Cool. And there was another sack that I thought was his independently that they gave to Gibson the safety that it looked like to me, not even a half sack. I thought it was Max by himself. So in my opinion, if I was scoring the game on Sunday, Mac would have had three sacks. Now, again, albeit on the two point conversion, for whatever reason, those statistics don't count, which is absurd. I don't but- get it. I don't even get why they would make that a, a rule that, that sacks on a two point conversion don't count because historically, you know, for decades, it didn't have two point conversions. And so, but who cares? You, you can't compare records from now to records from years ago. There's it's a 17 game season. Now you should be counting all this stuff. And I agree. And a pick an interception too. Yeah. That's just an interception nuts. to count. It's nuts, man. But my point is that I think Mac, Mac can be, if the Mac that showed up against Las Vegas is going after Rogers, then that's what we need. Rogers, like everyone else. Now, again, he can evade the rush almost as well as anybody, if not the best in the league, Mm -hmm. maybe Russell Wilson, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. but still that's when you can make some mistakes. Again, he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions anyway. 
But when the Bears have flustered him over the years, that's when they've been able to punish him physically because nobody wants to get hit. Right. And if they can get some pressure on him, and they have, you know, with Gibson uh, coming in off the bench and, and Mac and and Robert Quinn and a couple of guys up front. So, I mean, they've been able to get sacks. Mm-hmm. If that Bears defense shows up, you may not need a fluke Eddie Jackson interception or a crazy turnover to go your way. The Bears always seem to need some miraculous play to beat Green Bay, like a blocked field goal, a blocked punt, something unexpected. But if that physical team that played the Raiders last week is at Soldier Field on Sunday, then you might be able to just beat them. Mm-hmm. And that's the most exciting part of any of this is, hey, they're four and one. They should be favored. They should be. I would favor them by seven easily because, mm-hmm. uh, OK, Bears, show me what the fuck you got then, because mm-hmm. we don't believe in you yet. And we, they shouldn't. But this is your chance to come out and prove it. So and I think they have the ability to do so. And I hope they do. And furthermore, I want to point out every time I watch Green Bay, I've said this on the show before, and it's so fucking true. It's been two times this year. I was watching the end of that Cincinnati game. What happened? McPherson misses the field goal. They lose uh, the Bengals. I was watching the San Francisco game with you in the hotel in Cleveland. What happens? <laughs> Rogers gets the ball back in 30 seconds. He drives back down the field and they, and they win. I will not be watching the bears Packers game live this week. Unfortunately, because I'll be at the slipknot concert. Oh, but wow. fortunately, Fortunately, that means Green Bay has a shot to lose because I will not be watching live. <laughs> Thank you. I will Dan. be watching much later that evening, and I hope that that is the difference. And I am superstitious, and I do believe that could be the determining factor. Thank you, Dad, for not watching. from from Des Moines. Yeah, exactly. They're in Iowa, yep, right here, right in my backyard. They got they have a whiskey. They make whiskey with the Iowa Distillery, the Slipknot brand uh, bourbon. I'll have to Ooh. get you some, although. Yeah, I have to look that up. Maybe <laughs> they have it here at Benny's. Yeah, I'll look for that. Um, Cody Whitehair met the uh, media today, and he had a bunch of interesting comments. I pulled one. He he was asked, you know, what happened to this team after the Cleveland game? What what is it that's turned this team around? I think it just comes back to the team. Um, you know, taking what we did, you know, collectively as a team against the Browns, and being like. You know, we don't want this to be who we are. Um, you know, and like I said, you could tell the mentality of the whole team, not just offensively, but the whole team changed after, you know, we got back into prep after, um, you know, the Browns game. And that's that's what I've seen going forward is just a shift in mentality and, and the team taking, you know, just ownership of, of what we put out on the field. Um, and we knew it wasn't good enough and just coming to work with that mentality every week. And, you know, you, you can tell on the practice field, guys are just more focused and, and, and ready to get this thing done. What word would you use to describe that mentality? I would say relentless. Um, you know, guys just coming out to practice and, you know, wanting, you know, the coaching, wanting to get better and just, you know, the relentless effort to try and get things right um, would be what I would say. You know, I, I listened to that and I think to myself, well, how come now, you know, th- yeah, that was a trashing. That was one of the worst Bears defeat in history. Um, but what else could have made every player say, come on, let's let's get this shit together? And perhaps it was that meeting where basically everybody was telling Matt Nagy, 
dude, you're terrible at play calling. Give it up, man. Maybe, maybe <laughs> that's been the turning point is that all the players were kind of assured Bill Lazor's now calling the plays. And they said, all right, now, now we've got everything in place. We got Justin, who we have a lot of confidence in. He inspires us. He's got so much upside, so much potential. And we've got the bald-headed guy who wears the visor, no longer calling the plays, doing what he does best, firing people up in the sidelines and arguing with the officials. Maybe that's what's going on over at Hallis Hall. <laughs> Dude, you got a thought on that? If that's what it takes, right? Absolutely. That's what it takes. I mean, I mean, did Justin Fields have a sound bite where he said he liked the yep. soothing, soothing voice of Bill Lazor in his ear? <laughs> like, that was kind of like, you know, right. kind of, that was basically telling him, hey, Nagy, you know, I, your play calling's not good. And you're, you know, you're a little emotional in my headset. Well, you know, and maybe the play calling isn't good because he's so emotional and he's not yeah. calmly looking at things, you know. Yep. There are head coaches who have had a lot of success at play calling and when I think of some off the top of my head and Dan help me out here, all right? A Andy Reid is one. You don't see Andy Reid yelling and screaming on the sidelines. You know, he's he's a calmer, he's he's focused on the play calling, but also focused on other aspects of the team. Matt Nagy isn't that way. Matt Nagy looks like he's just a bundle of effing nerves. Well, so did Mike Ditka. That is true. Well, but Mike Ditka only called plays for a couple of seasons. He would, like during the course of the game, he would take away the play calling if this was from Ed Hughes, the offensive coordinator. He would take it away because out of frustration and stuff. And then, But then the games where he was calling plays from beginning to end, it wasn't good. I mean, Jim McMahon said, he, he, I, I would have loved to have played with Mike Ditka, have him as my tight end, but as a play caller, he sucked. Ed Hughes well, what I'm saying is that we've had the we've had the coaches. Uh, I, God, I don't want to defend Matt Nagy tonight either. I guess my whole uh, angle tonight is devil's advocate. But uh, we've had Dick Duran. You know, we've had Lovey. Although Lovey was a bit more successful, we've had Mark Tressman, the mild-mannered guy on the sideline that doesn't get particularly flustered or emotional. So if Nagy's getting emotional, then I'll take it. I mean, because it hasn't worked when we've had the calm, serene guy. But having said that, if Justin Fields wants the calmer voice of Bill Lazor in his ear, then by God, let's cater to what that kid needs because we're not going anywhere without him. Yep. I mean, I, he's the future. He's everything. He is the franchise. He is the franchise. Um, Tooch, uh, it's a four point. Uh, the Bears are four point underdogs. You got any betting advice for us? <laughs> Man, I, I, I do. I, I'm the Rams are playing the Giants, and Mike Glennon is starting for the Giants. I'm get whoa, it now. get in on it now. <laughs> Rams are 10 and a half point favorites. <laughs> That's going to be a 14 point win at least. Easily, <laughs> Aaron Donald chasing around uh, Mike Glennon doesn't have far to go. But should I put uh, fifty bucks on uh, the Bears uh, uh, covering that four points? Make you know they got a four point uh, advantage in that game. You know this is I, I'm going to say I think you can wait and get five and a half before game time. Really? I, I, that's what I think right now. I, I get one team teams like the Rams. You're going to have to jump on now before it gets to like you know mm -hmm. fourteen and a half, fifteen. You know. Yeah. Yeah, because sure. uh, uh, you know Daniel Jones is out for the Giants, uh, and then 
I mean, man, the Cowboys have been cover, cover darlings. They've been covering the spread. Just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's nobody can stop that Cowboys offense so far. You know, I mean, uh, uh, just they have they have a lot of weapons. They're playing good on they offense. Really are. The defense is playing good for the Cowboys, too. Uh, I, and like I, I think I told you, you know, I talked offline or by text. I, I fade the uh, rookie quarterbacks to the under mm-hmm. this season. That's been that's been uh, lucrative. You know, Mac Jones and, and and Fields. You know, that Raiders game was, what, 29 points? Over yeah. under, I think, was 43 or 44, 46. Yeah, yeah. Right. So uh, they just don't put up, you know. And then you've got good, good Bears defense that they're they're an under team. Uh, I, I don't I don't see Green Bay putting up, you know, thirty five points on the Bears this mm-hmm. coming coming uh, uh, Sunday. So uh, my my advice is to get on the Rams. So I look, I bet on that game already. So well, I just I, I, took I'll, the <laughs> I'll wait till I, I like to place my bets on Sunday, so I'll wait to them. But yeah, I'll definitely. Yeah. Be- with that game hey yep. dan what do you think uh a rob's stats would be like if aaron Rodgers was his quarterback i mean he'd be in the same stratosphere of Devonte adams for sure absolutely this is what a rob uh said about uh and this is what he said when asked have you ever thought about playing for a quarterback like aaron Rodgers?" uh I mean, when you sit there and watch guys, you know, I think that any player, you know, can kind of just, you know, imagine when you see the different things that a person like Aaron Rodgers does or a person like Tom Brady or guys like that, when you just sit back and watch, I mean, these are some of the greatest players to ever play that position, you know. So, um, again, I think that that's any player, you know. Like I said before, maybe if it's situationally a throw or whatever the – Whatever the case may be, you know, I think that you sit there and you're kind of in in all of those guys. I mean, they've done it at such a high level for so long. Dan, do you think it's sacrilegious for A-Rob to admit that he has kind of fantasized what it would be like catching passes from uh, Aaron Rodgers? No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, he's he's gone through Trubisky and uh, Blake Bortles and, you know, (laughs) and a couple of the other like Foles and – the very, very young Justin Fields that mm-hmm. they've kind of, again, had on training wheels to use that metaphor again. So, no. A- and, again, it's affecting his uh, overall bottom dollar. So, for him to fantasize about what his statistics and his bank account would look like with Aaron Rodgers, the, no, of course not. I mean, that's he's a human being. So, to me, that that's a valid comparison or, or, or it's valid for him to think about that comparison. However, if he was, like, openly – yearning to join green Bay right now, it'd be like, Oh, hold up now. You know that like if he was basically hinting, I'm going wherever Rogers is after the season. And that, that would bother me, but he's done nothing wrong at this juncture. 4,000 Clover says a Rob, the only correct answer is no, but I'll offer one other one. A Rob should have said, well, I, I would be catching passes from Aaron Rodgers if he would just show up at the pro bowl game. Uh, that would have been the best answer, and he should have just avoided saying that too because I know that had to piss off some Bears fans that he would actually admit that he's thought about what it's like. But I agree with you, Dan. I mean – He was honest. I mean, we always say we want people to be honest. That is true. Like how many many times do we criticize Trubisky for sounding so robotic? (laughs) I still do. I mean, he always had a canned response that like just wasn't genuine. Mm -hmm. So – 
we can't criticize Allen Robinson for just telling us the truth. Mm-hmm. Do do you guys think that uh, we we talked about the defensive line, um, but what about the Bears' offensive line? Do you think that they're going to have to come up with more chips, more a third uh, offensive tackle out there, or, or do you think that this offensive line, maybe starting with the Packers, can start to get to a point where they don't need all of this extra help on so many plays. No. Tell me why. Well, for one, we don't even know. It looked like when I first saw it, I thought immediately if Fetty's going to be out for the season. And I hope that I'm wrong, but I sent you that text immediately. I was like, he's done for the year. Uh, as soon as I saw his injury, it just looked bad enough. But maybe maybe not. But I don't think he's playing Sunday. And um, uh, Wilkinson, I mean, I guess, you know, he's done okay when he's been in there. But I just remember him, how bad he was in the preseason. So I'm still scarred by that. So I think uh, y- y- you have to help him a little bit. And Peters has had his moments of looking really good, mm-hmm. but had some moments where he's gotten beat too. So I think you really you need the, the game plan needs to be to supplementally block and help and chip and things for our two tackles. Like up, up the middle now, it seems like we're getting better. Like Daniels is finally playing like we wanted him to play. Maybe mm-hmm. it just took some time to get into the rhythm of being on the right side for him. Yep. Mustafer had the one poor game, but seems to be just doing his job. And white air has his moments where he loses his guy, but overall has been okay. Mm-hmm. So I think the tackles are what we have to worry about the most. And especially with another reserve out there at right tackle, you, you still, you have to game plan that we're going to, they're going to need help. That's if you come out thinking, well, we're going to drop, you know, a seven-step drop and just sling it down the field, then we're, we're going to be like we were against Cleveland. Right. I do think that, uh, like last year, the off- the offensive line started to play well after they made some changes. You know, there were, there were all these injuries in the middle of the season, and the offensive line was just awful. But like the last half dozen games of the season, the offensive line started to play better. And I anticipate that's going to happen with this Bears team. Uh, Peters at left tackle, he's not playing flawlessly, but he is playing at a, at a level where you don't have to worry too much against having giving him help. Now, if he's going up against speed pass rushers like like Miles Garrett, yeah, you got to give him help. Uh, almost any left tackle in the league would need help against a Miles Garrett. The right tackle position, people in the chat room are saying that Wilkinson came in for Ifedi and played as well or maybe even better than Ifedi, and I I can't argue with that. Ifedi has been up and down, uh, but it was was encouraging to see Wilkinson come in there and play well. In the middle of the offensive line has been the strength of this team for some time. They've gotten off they got off to a bad start this season, but I think that they're 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 playing well and I think they're going to continue to play well. I got confidence in Whitehair, I got confidence in Daniels. He's really starting to look like a like a stud and Sam Mustafer, I know he gets a lot of shit here, but I I still think that he is more than serviceable and he gives this team uh, leadership at that center position that us fans watching on TV or even at the stadium, we don't quite realize and, and, and appreciate what he does for that offensive line with, with his leadership traits. So I think that, that this team is eventually going to get to a position where all of these gimmicks that are being 
executed now to help the offensive line, we can start to relax some of those. Now, whether that starts to happen against Green Bay, probably not. But somewhere down the line, I I think we're going to get back to – to to normal. See here here it comes again. Jeremy saying Mustafer is weak. Capital letters on weak. <laughs> I don't see him that as that bad. I I know that he hasn't been flawless, but I would hate. And I know a lot of people are saying move J- James Daniels back to center. We drafted him for that position, and I, I I wouldn't mind seeing him at center. He did play at Iowa at the center position and played it very well. But again, boy, I hate to keep moving guys around. Tuch, you know, what do you think? Uh, you think moving uh, Daniels to, to center and then putting in a whole new right guard like Alex Bars or someone like that is the answer? I wouldn't move Daniels. I, I think the problem, if I remember, was that Daniels' voice was too soft. That was you know, nobody could hear yeah. the calls. You know, he just wasn't vocal enough. You know, uh, I would keep Daniels at guard. Uh, and, uh, you know, they should probably look at drafting a center, you know, to kind of take over that role. Uh, there's Aguilar, some good you ready to suit up year. and play center? <laughs> I'm going to be 41 years old in two weeks. So that you're only a year older than Jason Peters. Come on. Now. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, he's a grown man and he's earned everything he's gotten in the league. So. And he could be a Hall of Famer. I'm just a guy. Oh, yeah, he will be a Hall of Famer. I'll tell you one thing about Peters. Again, not flawless, but when he tags someone, man, like there have been uh, uh, maybe as many as six plays where I just seen him just knock people down to the ground (laughs) with sheer force. That dude is a load, man. I love seeing that. And I think, uh, Dan, you and I have talked about this a number of times. He's much better acquisition than Orlando Pace was. When oh, yeah. Acquired. Orlando Pace never had, <laughs> at least not to my knowledge, any of the – I've seen Peter's pancake a couple of people. Yeah. Like, just flatten them. And and Cody had one last week, too, mm-hmm. against the Raiders. Uh, White hair did where I was just like, ooh, God. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I, that's, that's why I don't want the line to move. I, I like y- y- some stability. Have a cohesiveness and let's build on it. Let's, you know, Daniels has been the center. He's been left guard. Same thing with white hair. They're just let's let's keep you in your spot and let's go with what we got. And they're only going to get better through consistency, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Instead of doing the Kyle Long, well, you're going to be right guard. You're going to be left tackle. You're going to be right tackle. Who, who knows where you're going to be, Kyle? You know, it's just I feel like a, we sabotaged a lot of Kyle's growth when he was here when he was healthy. And the same can be said for White Hair and Daniels, mm-hmm. just by making them move. So I, I like the line as is. I like what they're doing with bars coming in and, and helping it. And uh, I I hope that Holtz is back this week. I, I don't even know what was wrong with him. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. I, if it was an elbow or something. I don't think it was serious. But, yeah, he should be back uh, this week. We'll, and we'll and get Jesse up. James was out for personal reasons. I mean, what could that have been to miss the game? Yeah. Maybe somebody died in his family. It'd have to be something like that. It has to be something serious. No yeah, doubt about so, it. And, but but to, to be fair, Jimmy Graham was blocking better than I, I've ever seen him block on Sunday and looked like he was really into it as well. And uh, as you've pointed out when I've criticized Komet, you're like, man, but he's blocking so well. And and that's true. But I when I see Cole Komet and I'm like, dude, this guy was a second-round pick. He should be, you know, what Jimmy Graham was with the Saints. 
you know, just balling and catching touchdowns. And it just feels like he never makes any fucking plays. Mm -hmm. If he's, if he's open, he falls down. How many penalties are called on him? And he fumbles all the time too. Uh, I really like to see Komet have a game like where I'm like, okay, he's not a bust. I mean, he's better than Adam Shaheen. Don't get me wrong. But it feels like this guy could be four-year contract and done unless he shows something. Yeah, I think a big part of the problem with the entire tight end position is that it's not being targeted enough. And, and that has a lot to do with the play calling. When you see Cole Komet run out on a pass pattern, 95% of the time, it's as a safety valve. He's running that little flare out towards the sideline. And so he's, you know, the third or fourth read for Justin Fields. The few times that he has gone out on a pure pass pattern, there just hasn't been that connection there. I don't know if that's his fault. I don't know if that's the young quarterback's fault, uh, which is weird because usually, you know, um, uh, young quarterbacks in the NFL rely on their tight ends. They want to, you know, they that's their security blanket. But Fields, you know, he's he's thinking touchdown to check down, and so he's not he's not getting to the tight end as as often as we uh, as we can, would like to see. Can I point out something else real quick too Please. about the tight ends? Uh, if we go back to that Tennessee preseason game, there's uh, to me make no this is my opinion, but make no mistake about it. The only reason Jesper Horstead made this team was because of the reception he had for the touchdown against Tennessee. And I'm fairly certain that was from fields, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. When he had that dramatic catch, it looked like John Mackey or something in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so it's so ironic that he would come back and catch fields, first ever touchdown uh, uh, pass. Yeah. That's I wild. love it. That is. Yeah. Wild. I love it for Jesper Horstad who, who's been on the barroom network before he has, we need to get him back. Um, by the way, Dan, you're getting compliments on your sexy voice. Do you uh, have anything sexy to say? No, I'm faking <laughs> it, trying to be professional as I can tonight. Uh, after what's, what's already transpired, I am not in a good spot at all. So I'm trying to just be pro. Tell us about the last time you masturbated. <laughs> I don't even know, man. It's been that long. You've been working hard. I got to work. I got to work until 4 p.m. tomorrow. So this is just going to be on my mind for the next. 17 or 18 hours it's just a big fucking shit storm on me now the the, the <laughs> argument that we had earlier oh yeah absolutely this is this is terrible oh. like this is really really dreadful don't beat oh, yourself up come on man you, you should be able to brush this off like uh i can't i can't i'm emotional i admit it and things bother me and this is going to bother me and like I, I, I thought tonight I was like, man, I'm gonna cheer Aldo up, especially when I was where I mixed in the John Facenda with your quote from was, the show Sunday. That was awesome. I, Thank you. I was like, I'm gonna cheer him up because the White Sox. I, my goal tonight was to cheer you up because the White Sox got put out, and it just went the other way. <laughs> you want to hear what people are saying in the chat room? No. <laughs> no disrespect to anybody. I, I just. You're, you're getting encouraging words. You're getting lots of encouraging words. I don't words. need any comments. I just don't want any more fights. <laughs> <laughs> no I more don't fight. want the Bears to win terribly. Somehow, like, <laughs> uh, if I shift back into the more important topic, the Bears and Packers, like, seriously, I mean, it, it, this goes for everybody. It's not just me, but I'm personalizing it for me because I am myself, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we've been 
watching the Packers essentially just kick our ass ever since Mike Holmgren became coach in 1992. Mm -hmm. So we're talking a lot of some people that, you know, some people that I work with their entire lifetime, because you could almost be 30 years old. Like Nirvana's Nevermind came out in 91. The 30th anniversary set comes out next month. Nice. So 30 years, essentially, of the Packers just beating our asses. The, the entire lifetime for a 30-year-old male or female right now. Mm-hmm. So how can you not go into this and not – I mean, just, oh, fuck, here we go again. If something goes wrong. Yeah. Oh, last 30 years, what is the record against the Packers? Just out of curiosity, um, I don't know it off the top, man. I could break it down if we wanted it. I could, you, I could tell you the year, and, and if you want to start adding it up. Well, yeah, okay, uh, okay. Uh, ho- we split. Hold, hold on, I got so it right here. For roughly us. sixty games, right? And, and twenty twenties, the Packers are. Uh, well, I should say the twenty tens. The Packers were seventeen and four against Jesus. The <laughs> Yeah, the only other time Rodgers lost was in 08 with Kyle Orton. The 2000s, Packers were 12 and 8. In the 1990s, Packers were 13 and 7. So we have to go back to the 1980s when the Bears had a winning record against the Packers, 11 and 7. And we beat them every year back then. Yeah. And in the 70s, we also had a winning record. So the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, Bears clobbered, beat the shit out of the Packers. The 60s were a great year for the Packers. They were 15 and 5 against the Bears. Then the 70s and 80s, we went back to beating the shit out of them. But it's been the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and the early part now of the 2020s where they've been dominating us. Yeah, and and I take that personally. I do, like... That I hate them. I, I I hate them more than New England. And in theory, I, I just resent New England more than anybody because all the cheating they were allowed to do over and over and over and over. And and uh, but God, the Packers, man, it's like like I've said before, like I don't have a problem with Minnesota. I don't like them. I don't really wish them well. I don't hate Detroit either, but I literally hate Green Bay like Palestinian Israeli hate. You wouldn't Depending even which side you're on, and I'm, I'm politically on the Palestinian side, despite being a white guy. Let me just say that. Uh, but uh, oh, now I'm going to be an anti-Semite too. But, uh, but no. But my point is, I absolutely, and I'm everything about them is antithetical to my happiness. So I I hate them. Like it's an impassioned, irrational hatred that I have for this team. You won't even go to a game at Lambeau. If I landed no. two tickets to Lambeau and said, come on, Dan, I'll pay for your no. flight. Let's get over here. We're going to go to Lambeau for that game in November or whenever it is they play. The- you wouldn't go. I don't want to go to Lambeau ever. I don't get that. I I wouldn't go uh, to a Trump rally. You know, it's just like to me that they're on the par with each other. That's how much I hate the Green Bay Packers. I don't want to be around surrounded by you know, 70, 80% of the people being Packer fans, that would be like a fucking fever dream of mine. It'd be a Twilight Zone episode. You wake up like you can't get a heart on and you're surrounded by Packers fans. Two, you going to go with me to Lambo? Yeah, but uh, I mean, I, I guess I, I don't know. 
Are they friendly to Bears fans up there? Yeah, they are. Okay. They are. I mean, by the time, you know, it gets to the fourth quarter, when people start getting a little drunk, there's usually an idiot or two will say something, you know, just like we ran, Dan and I ran across in in Cleveland. People were totally, totally cool. But by the end of the game, a few assholes will have a few beers in them and they'll say something stupid. And that's how it yeah, is. Aldo and I were gay. We're gay. <laughs> that's right. We were we were sitting there after the Browns game, and we were despondent to just sitting there with glum looks. And some guy's walking up the steps and looks at us and says, "You still have each other." <laughs> <laughs> I thought Dan was going to punch him in the face. <laughs> no, I, I, he said, "Oh, you guys still have each other, though. You're still in love." <laughs> is that what he said? I yeah, it. yeah. And I said, "Thanks, homophobe." <laughs> right. <laughs> That uh, that beating the Bears took in Cleveland, though, that was just what we needed to, you know, catapult, you know, you know to, that, towards winning. That guy that said that was related to John Gruden. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, here goes. I'm pulling one straight deep from my ass on this one, but I've referenced this on the air too before. When Mike Brown famously said in 2005, "We fucking suck. We're paper champions, and they're one and three. That was coming off a loss to the Browns, and they turned that one and three record into eight consecutive wins. Look at so that. So maybe, maybe in 2021, we turned that absolute abysmal, the worst game you could have possibly gone to. The brand that's the one we went to, uh, the Browns game. Maybe we turned that into the moment somehow where you win seven or eight in a row. Wouldn't that be unbelievable? Wouldn't that be something? Hey, 4,000 Clovers has a great question for you, Dan. Uh, he says that he wouldn't even date a Packers fangirl. Would you? Man, I told I, I don't want, I definitely don't feel comfortable talking sex stories tonight, but I'll mention one anyway. I, I think I've said this on the air before, but there was a late, oh my God, she's a black woman. Mm, wow. What am I doing sleeping with a black woman? I was, you know, considering I'm a, a white guy, oh, a, a, a fucking bigot. But um, yeah, so after I was done, like I was done, you know, like pun intended. Um, she tells me something because I think my draws are like bears boxers or something. You know, <laughs> she says some shit like, "Ah, you're a Bears fan, huh? Yeah, I've been meaning to tell you that I'm a Packers fan." And I laugh and I was like, "Oh, that that that's funny." She's like, "No, no, no, I'm really a." Pa-. I was like, "You're a Packers fan." And she's like, yeah, I was like, "How could you let me come in you if you're a Packers fan? What if you accidentally got pregnant? That would be horrible. You can't you can't impregnate a Packers fan." That would be like Sigourney Weaver having the alien in Aliens or whatever part she got pregnant in Alien 3. You can't have the fucking alien, kid. I swear on my mom's grave, I would not have come in her if I knew if I didn't know she was a Packers fan. I didn't say I wouldn't have fucked her. I just said I wouldn't have come in her. There's a huge distinction. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, 4,000 does say that he did bang one, but she was a drug dealer. Go figure, a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> what if What if the lady wanted you to fuck her while she's wearing that cheese head thing that they wear? Well, it depends on what she looks like. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Um, or what if she just wanted to simply wear her Rogers jersey while you were fucking her? I couldn't do that. No? I, I couldn't get I'd just be looking at the jersey like, what am I doing? What am I doing? This is the guy that takes my lunch money. This is the guy that beats me up. I and now I feel like I'm I'm going to the other side. I'm Danica Patrick suddenly. You could ejaculate all over the Rogers jersey. Wouldn't that make you feel better? No, no, no. 
I would just keep seeing the jersey, and that would probably uh, interfere with my erection. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, somebody had a great thought here. Oh, uh, it's Tin Pan Dog. He says, Forrest Gregg and the Packers trigger me. Boy, oh, boy. If you know, I don't like to throw around the word hate, but Forrest Gregg was a guy that I hated when he coached Mike the Ditka Packers. Mike hated him, too. Yeah, he sure effing did, and for good reason. I mean, Forrest Gregg deliberately had his players hurt guys like Jim McMahon. I mean, he was the dirtiest coach of all time. And uh, at least that I I can think of uh, Greg Williams, the guy who had the bounty. Oh, on, Greg Williams. Yeah. yeah he, he's probably up there too, but Forrest Greg was just a, a huge piece of shit. God bless him. I think he's, he's passed on now, but uh, hopefully if you go back and watch that game and I've sent it to you, mm -hmm. yes. the Jim McMahon, Charles Martin game. Yes, I have it. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. The Packers high five Charles Martin on the sidelines repeatedly yep. after the fucking plays over. Yeah, they're happy that he's done that to McMahon. Like the whole team advocated it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I remember uh, when you sent me that game. It's one of the first ones I popped in, and I saw that play over and over. In fact, uh, Les Grobstein and David Schuster were here, and we were I had it on while they were doing their show. And uh, and and Grobstein was saying, "Oh God!" <laughs> Grobstein was like reliving the moment and getting upset about it. <laughs> yeah, I liked I liked that show. I really did. Yeah, the the old uh, Twilight. What was it called? Um, yeah, it was called uh, the Grobstein Schuster Zone. Yeah, it was a good show. Um, what else about this upcoming game is you think are good storylines that we should talk about before? Because we've got about 20, 30 minutes left here before we pull the plug on this episode of Dan and I. I want, I want to say one more thing, and then I, want, I don't want to take all of Tucci's mic time, but I, it was something I, I had to put in the audio and I just didn't get time. Uh -huh. uh, Dan Hampton said that Roquan Smith reminded him of Wilbur Marshall last week against the Raiders. Wow. Yeah, so the, what, what kind of praise is that coming from a Hall of Famer like Dan Hampton mm -hmm. to say that Roquan was playing like Wilbur Marshall? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's that's uh, that's as high as praise as he could give, I think. Yep, I agree. And and I got to tell you, the, the, the fact that Roquan wasn't on the NFL's list of top 100, which is something that's voted on by players, I mean, what the hell? I, I don't understand that. Uh, he should have been in at least the 50s, uh, uh, halfway up that list, and he didn't make the top 100. What are the other his 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 peers looking at? What what don't they get? Um, is is do they not like him for personal reasons because he sat out? It's because he's on the Bears, I think. Perhaps I don't know, but. Uh, I, I, I that really pissed me off that he wasn't, and I don't like to pay attention to those lists. But given that this is a list prepared by NFL players for them not to give Roquan his recognition, um, th that really uh, pissed me off. Tooch, any thoughts? Yeah, Ro Roquan was really punishing guys out there. He got a hit in on Derek Carr and one in on uh, Willie Sneed. Yep, in that game, I know he got flagged for uh, the hit on Snead in the end zone, but yeah. uh, uh, what bullshit! Yeah, uh, the pivotal uh, play. Uh, the uh, the Raiders went for it on fourth down in the early, I think, second quarter, mm -hmm. and they didn't get it. Bears took over. That was a pivotal play in the game. Uh, this week, I think uh, you know they've got to you got to take advantage of the the Packers uh, injuries on the offensive line, but getting good pressure on Rodgers. He's not he's not as uh mobile as he used to be. He's getting you know, he's getting caught 
uh, a little bit more. He's uh, what he's what thirty seven years old now, right? Uh, and then Devonte Adams, they're going to have to shade a safety over to wherever he is, you know, because Rogers looks Devonte Adams way all the time. You know, it, if Rogers, you know, opens up, starts hitting some of the other guys like Cobb and Lazard, uh, you know, that could be Cobb trouble. Is bear killer forever. Yep. He always has a bit. I was just about to say he always has a big game against the Bears. Then, of course, uh, you're going to have to shut down Aaron Jones, but I think he's he's uh, he's banged up, uh, and they're looking at, at running AJ Dillon, which would be fine for the Bears because AJ Dillon's slow. You know, he's he's not a quick like Aaron Jones can really open up a game. You know, uh, not in a good way against the Bears. So. Please, please tell me that Joe Buck isn't at the game because every time <laughs> Buck and Aikman are here, we lose. <laughs> I don't know. No. I don't know who the announcers are. <laughs> Against Green Bay, I mean. Aren't they CBS, though? In, they, are they Fox or CBS, Aikman? I think it's a Fox game. I'll tell it's you who the announcers Fox. are. Brad Biggs had it in his column. Uh, uh, okay. I'll tell you in a second. It's it's not Joe Buck, though. Thank God. Uh, Aikman and Buck are Aikman are CBS, though, the Bears games anyway. Yeah, he does, right? What did you, you say, Atuch? Aikman and Buck are CBS, though, aren't they? Or are they Fox? No, oh, they're on Fox. Fox uh, yeah, Jim okay. Nance and Romo are on CBS. Yeah, okay. Romo and Cruz. Nance and uh, – Right. Um, let me see if I can find this real quick. You guys uh, talk about John Gruden. <laughs> no, 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 please don't. I, uh, I, I want to know if people watching Squid Game on Netflix – yeah, what is this? Everyone keeps talking about Squid Game. Somebody come, explained it to me once, but I still didn't get it. What's come for on? the calamari, stay for the bullets. <laughs> That's <laughs> what, the premise of that show. It's uh, I, I'm into it, man. It, it, remember, uh, I think last week we were talking about Parasite. Right. You know, Stephen Nagishi reminded us of the uh, of the of the Best Picture winner. Uh, the mm-hmm. name we couldn't think of the name, but we love the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, if you like Parasite, it's kind of in the same vein. You okay. know, the Korean uh, sense of humor. And uh, it's it's about a bunch of people who are, you know, uh, poor, down on their luck, and they, uh, they're they they're deeply in debt. And, you know, uh, somehow they're found by a guy, a salesman with a card, you know, and they end up getting, like, basically kidnapped, drugged, and brought to this secret location where they have forced to play children's games. And the penalty for losing the game is death. But there's a huge pile of like billions of dollars in a globe above where they sleep that uh, reminds them of why they're there. And there's some, you know, the characters are interesting. There's some, there's some good uh, uh, interaction between these characters. There's a really old guy, and you're like, how's he going to win this game? You know, and the main character kind of bonds with the old guy, and you know, they, they, they join up in groups, you know, of like ten, and they kind of like form. You know, they use the strengths, like whether it's girls and guys, like using the strengths to play tug of war one time is excellent. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I can't stop watching it. So it's like I, I keep hearing a lot of people say the same thing, <laughs> that it's very, very addictive. And by the way, Joe Davis, uh, Greg Olson and Pam Oliver calling the game. Oh, fuck. Okay. They did the Browns game. <laughs> right. That's right. Oh my no. god. Well, they're probably dreading it more than we are dreading them calling the game. <laughs> That's right. maybe Greg Olson can bring us some like because he was there when we were winning a little bit, you know? Yeah, he was, right? Yeah, so maybe he he beat the Packers in 07 as a rookie mm-hmm. Lambeau in 08 Soldier Field. Mm-hmm. And at Soldier Field in 2010 as a bear. So 
you know, three wins for Greg. Let's see, Greg. Maybe he can give us whatever we got to do to muster up a win. We, we could bring in Brad Muster. That's what we need to do. Bring in Brad Muster as an honorary captain. He there goes back go. to the era we never lost to Green Bay. Dan Where Ma is Brad Muster? I don't know. Let's get him on the fucking podcast. I work on it. I, I saw uh, I, I saw Ryan Nall out there playing fullback. Yes. You know, which is what I've been asking for for a while. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, uh, Dan gave me uh, uh, Jim McMahon's first game. Uh, there's Lions. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's like, what was it, 1982, I think? Yes, sir. That sounds right. Yeah. And uh, uh, the first dozen plays are scripted Ed Hughes plays, mm -hmm. and they featured Matt Suey. You know, it was like, uh, you know, Matt Suey got a bunch of carries and they they slip him out into the flat, you know, and he catch a pass. I'm like, that would be perfect for Ryan Null because not only uh, is he a pretty good receiver, but he's got some breakaway speed. <laughs> you can't, you know, use use all the weapons. It's another another weapon that uh, opposing defenses have to account for. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. I, they, they, they see him as a tailback. I just don't see him as a tailback. I mean, the guy's 235 pounds. You know, he just he, he has he has um the speed, I think, to play tailback, but yeah. clearly they must have seen something in, in practice where they feel like he just can't play uh the tailback position for the Bears anyway. And uh yep. it is it is nice to see that the Bears now have three running backs. And Cody Whitehair was talking about that in the press conference today, that they have three really great running backs, and that everyone at Hallis Hall feels like they have one of the best running back rooms in the NFL, and it's hard to argue with that. Khalil Herbert looks like a star. He really, really does. Yeah. Uh, for him in his first game, you know, where he's getting significant carries, for him to do what he did Sunday, that was pretty amazing. And I think we all knew that Damian Williams was a great signing once he got on board. And that and don't forget Tariq Cohen's kind of just sort of there. I mean, he could be back soon. You know, what was interesting is that he was on the sideline at that Raiders game, which is the first time I've seen him on the sideline for a game. So maybe that's a sign that he's getting close to uh, uh, joining the team. It's after week six that he could be lifted off pup, right? Right, right. So wouldn't We're in week cool? six now? Yeah. That the, and that would really, really help the passing game a lot. Yep. He's not going to see tons of carries out of the backfield, in my opinion. He's going to be that gadget slot guy. Uh, he's so good at getting open and, and, and creating yards after the catch. That's going to be really fucking huge. And I wouldn't put him back to returning kicks anymore. The Grant guy looks like he's got like that it factor. Not saying he's going to take it back for us. Not saying he won't fumble because I know in Miami, that's where he had a couple of fumble issues but he he kind of has like that that patterson like electric thing to him maybe not like devin hester but you know what i'm saying he could take it back either the kick or the punt i really feel like he can uh versus that simba webster guy that just looked as bad as as uh fuck the guy from last year help me out the uh, Ted Ginn Jr. Ted Ginn Jr. Yeah, yeah. just like he didn't want to be there. He was going to fair catch everything yeah so i think you can keep cohen away from the return game and just try to get him in the slot, mm -hmm. get some mismatches, and hopefully he still has his speed and, you know, keep him away from unnecessary hits, you know, like returning the punts. Yeah, Jakeem Grant pretty good at returning kicks and punts. Yeah, he looked really impressive. Yeah. Somebody in the chat said that they just saw a good Western. Where's that uh, comment? <laughs> <laughs> 
Stephen Me watched the new movie called Old Henry, best western I've seen in years. Any of you guys heard of this movie? No, no. I I looked it up real quick. I love the uh, uh, description. A quiet man and his son taking a wounded stranger near his homestead, along with a bag full of cash. The stranger claims he's a sheriff being pursued by outlaws, but the man can't be sure. Tim Blake Nelson, Stephen Dorff. Trace Atkins star in the movie. I got to check this out. I like a good Western. I do so thanks for that, Stephen. Yeah. By the way, everybody wants to know your thoughts on uh, the Sopranos movie. I know you went to the movie theater to see it, Dan. Yeah. Filling your uh, report. Do you? Well, I can be vague enough to where I won't spoil it for you. Thank you. Or any or anyone else that hasn't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, perhaps what people don't like about it to me is the strength and i can say this with with foreshadowing and not spoiling Mm -hmm. to me the point of the film you remember how early in the godfather film al pacino's character michael didn't want to be associated with the family he joined world war ii the the allies he was in college he just wanted to date diane keaton and and just circumstances lead to him taking over right Mm -hmm. well I'm not going to say what those circumstances are in the film, but to me, it's very quiet. It's very, very, they do it so well that you don't even realize that uh, the Gandolfini kid or the one who's playing the younger version of him, uh, maybe if they don't even have any lines, the whole point of like seeing some violence, for example, is to see it through his perspective as a Mm seven-year-old or to see it as a 15-year-old. So by the end of this movie, the, ju- the 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 whole point of it is to say, okay, now Tony's Tony. This is what made Tony want to be Tony fucking Soprano. Now, some people uh, hearing the, I would hear what people were saying before I watched it, mm-hmm. were critical of it, saying it was it was a dud or, you know, didn't have enough this, enough that. It's just a C, you know, and uh, how could this be the ending? And, you know, we heard that with The Sopranos as well when it went off. But sure. to me, the ending is brilliant in this, not not the finale of season six. But the finale is brilliant because, it, it again, the, it's the turning point mm-hmm. to say, okay, now you've got Tony on your fucking hands. Okay. This is Tony now. So the whole movie builds to that. And they could easily turn that into a sequel in the movie. Mm-hmm. Or there's been some talk that HBO wanted to take the movie and turn it into a show as well, a sequel show, a series. Mm -hmm. So they could do either. And to me, they didn't corner themselves either way. It's left in such a way that you can, you could write however you wanted to write is what I'm trying to say. But the, it all culminates with Tony becoming Tony. And I thought it was brilliant. I I thought it was an A. Whoa. I, I can't wait to see it now. By the way, I'm so glad I saw it at the theater too. You know, you know how you and I both appreciate the movie theater experience. Love it, love it. I was actually going to go see a movie this weekend, uh, but I didn't want to watch the Sopranos movie because I've already started watching it on on, on Disney. So I said, I, you know, let me see what else is out there. There was nothing that I wanted to pay the ten, twenty bucks, whatever it is, to go to a movie theater. I mean, I want I, what I wanted to see was something on IMAX, and I guess the James Bond movie should have been something that I, I should have watched. Um, I'm not a huge Bond fan, but I do like Daniel Craig as 007, 
And uh, the the other one that was playing on IMAX was the Venom uh, two movie. And I'm not uh, haven't been following Marvel movies for a while, so I I didn't uh, I didn't check any of those one out, those out. But by the way, somebody in in the chat room, PJ says that he watched Guilty last night on Netflix. Have you heard of that, Dan? It's about a nine one one operator. Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah, I did see that. I didn't know what that was called. I saw. I didn't watch it. I saw a trailer for it, though. Okay. Uh, PJ says you will like it, and Ten Pound Ten Pound Dog says uh, that he just finished it and it was damn good. So it's- I saw that there was a nine one one movie with Halle Berry and the guy that plays Christopher was in it as well from The Sopranos. I again, I never remember his name. Imperioli. 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 Uh, Michael Imperioli. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> I can't say his last name. I don't know why. But, uh, yeah, that movie was dreadful. Oh, you know, before we go, uh, you know, the good thing about seeing movies at the theater is you get the trailers, right? Yeah, right. Uh, I find uh, maybe other people have already seen it, but I hadn't yet. And I'll let me just say this. I loved the first Matrix movie. I mean, I loved it. I remember yeah, watching it. The theater started at like 1045 at night. And it didn't end to like 130 or whatever. Uh, and I just, I thought it was great. And I hated both sequels. Just fucking hated them. Uh, but in the new trailer, again, not giving away a story because uh, I just saw the trailer. It's the same one you could pull up. Uh, it's it's weird. Like, if you remember the end of the Matrix series, like Keanu's eyes were burned out or some crazy shit. And Trinity had died. and But yet she's in the trailer and Keanu's back to just being like Mr. Anderson or whatever back in his regular life. I guess they're in the matrix and they don't have any memory of the way it was before. Mm-hmm. And I guess they have to take that pill again. But that led me to questioning, well, where's Lawrence Fishburne then? If they can bring Trinity back, where's Morpheus? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope he makes a cameo or something like to me, Lawrence Fishburne is, is huge for the matrix, but I don't see him on there, but the trailer looked good. And finally, I, I know they're going to take my money. It's just like a green Bay game. Every time I spend money on these sequels, I get unhappy, but the trailer looked really good. The newest Halloween film, which opens this week called Halloween Kills, the trailer looked damn good. So I, if it's still around the weekend of the 24th, and I assume it will be, I'll probably go and drop my $12 on it or whatever. The trailer looked really good. So I, I've got uh, the December Entertainment Weekly, which has a Matrix one page story on the new matrix it looks like there's a uh an actor playing the lawrence fishburne character as a younger as his younger self oh okay okay so i don't think lawrence fishburne will be in the movie but there will be another actor playing morpheus when he was younger with keanu and uh i forget the lady that plays trinity yeah carrie moss carrie ann moss yeah okay but didn't she die she died in the other ones right I never saw number three, so I don't know if she did. And Keanu lost his vision; his eyes are like fucking flames or something. In the I can't thing. remember though. They, they were they were bad. <laughs> yeah, Keanu, there's no no shit. Keanu said for years <laughs> that he wanted to do a part four because he himself was so immensely disappointed. They filmed the second one and the third one together in yeah. like 2001 as one giant movie, and then cut it into two into two individuals. And he said that he had, you know, such high expectations. He loved the first one. Even Keanu Reeves said he hated the second one and the third one. Wow. So he was desperate to, like, right or wrong. Mm. So I like that. What what uh, uh, movies in the fall are you guys 
uh, awaiting, anxiously awaiting. Like a couple of people have been talking about Dune. Yeah, and, um, that sounds great. Yeah, that the last that, duel. Yeah, I saw a preview uh, for that. That looked Ridley really Scott good. movie with uh, written with, by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. I didn't know they wrote that. Yeah, really. Yep. Holy cow! Another reason to watch it. Oh, I got something to tell you. Okay. If you got HBO Max, I know you do. Uh-huh. If you like the pop singer Halsey. I don't mean if you like her music. I mean if you're a fucking perverted old man like me and you think Halsey's fine as fuck because she is. She's full frontal nudity on this fucking special she has on HBO Max. Just search Halsey. It'll come up. It's 45 minutes. You see Bush. She's got armpit fur. We always talk about that, Aldo. Why is it there? Mm -hmm. Did they tell her to grow it? I don't know. (laughs) Armpit fur. She's got a bush. You see her breasts, see her ass. You see it all. I got my lubricant here. Uh, we'll uh, get to that right after the show's done. <laughs> yeah, Aussie's finer than a motherfucker. She is beautiful, and a great entertainer too. I uh, she on Saturday Night Live, I think a season, a couple of seasons ago, she performed uh, a couple. Yeah, of I songs. saw that, and it was host too. Yeah, Ashley uh, Ash Ash Lash, Lashy thirteen thirteen says we're perverts, and she's right. <laughs> Halsey's just fine, though. She is. Ashley knows that. Bear Truth 9 says, Aldo, did Dan watch Nightcrawler yet? Come on, Dan. Say you did. Well, what? Remind me what Nightcrawler is again. I have is no idea. Jake Gyllenhaal, too? Oh, oh yeah, 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 the yeah, Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal movie. That's the one they, they filmed in 11 days. It's yeah. like a... a, a yes. Gets yeah, the I, photos I, of crash I, scenes or whatever, right? All right. I heard he and Howard Stern talking about it, like on my drive back from Chicago. Uh, so yeah, I will watch that uh, without wasting any more time. Just to say, like the like my whole life at night at the other job during high school football season is, you know, getting ready for my broadcast on Friday night. So like all my extra time during the week that I would watch movies like the Jake Gyllenhaal thing. Like right now, I'm in the middle of high school football, so I have no free time for another month, basically, except on the weekends. Wow. I did watch the Halsey thing late last night, though, about 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. Working so many hours that you can actually watch a movie, you know? Well, that, that's more, it's more like a music video, but it's it's 50 minutes long, and it plays various songs throughout the album, but it's like it's like a giant music video with lots of nudity. Okay, tell me more. <laughs> it's like my it's like thriller if thriller were rated r and we wanted to fuck michael instead we should get to a, fuck halsey we should get to the sound effect of masturbation i can do that anyway uh shall we pull a plug on this episode of dan and aldo bear their souls god i guess so i got I, i'm so embarrassed and mortified don't be embarrassed don't be mortified it's a very very touchy sensitive subject i can appreciate why you got upset and uh there are no hard feelings mr edwards said that he likes you he loves you actually those were the words he used so he was not offended by any anything uh i hope you weren't offended by anything i was i I was i'm not gonna lie i was (laughs) i feel like i fought my whole life to try to gain some sense of respectability to get out of the fucking slum to just be a, a fucking person you know and then like I'm not even a man anymore. I'm just a fucking privileged man. No. You know, so I just feel like that just repudiates every ounce of effort I've ever exerted. See, but that's like the it thing makes me so is- angry I could fight. 
like literally could fight. That's how mad I get about it because I'm a fucking liberal for fuck's sake. I mean, I, my whole life, I've tried to do the right thing. I vote the right things, you know, and, uh, and I advocate for the right things. It's not like I'm saying shit like, well, all lives matter, you know, fuck that. I got it. Why it was black lives matter. And I was on that side of it. You know, it's just like, but none of that matters whenever someone just surmises that, well, you're just, you're just white. And it, it could be that the definition of privilege here is being misconstrued, misunderstood, misused. So it, it'll be a, a conversation we'll have in the future, but not on this show because people want us to talk football. And so next week we will be back here at the same time, Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central. It'll be Tooch. A welcome addition to the Dan and Aldo show, Dan Aguirre and myself, and we will be talking about a Chicago Bears victory. You guys want to get scores? I know we normally don't do that, but give me a, a score prediction. Are we? Is the score prediction assuming that the Bears win? Um, because I can't, I can't <laughs> give you a prediction that the Bears are going to lose. I just if I tell you the Bears are going to lose, then if that man, that will manifest it into a loss. But my my head says, boy, how can you pound your chest and say the Bears are going to win after all the shit for 30 fucking years, you know? So, okay, I'm going to give you a score on the premise that the Bears win. Not guaranteeing that the Bears win. But if everything goes right in terms of if we were going to win the game, I'll go 28-17. Maybe 23-19. I like that score. I'll go. There you go. I'll go with 23-19. Something weird could happen. They go for two, don't get it. Maybe Crosby has a, a game where he makes a couple of field goals. Uh, but that's I'm going to say Bears 23-19. I don't feel comfortable with it because I don't ever feel comfortable writing off Green Bay for obvious reasons. But I can't tell you the Bears are going to lose because then I myself deserve to see that loss. Aren't you glad we got uh, Cairo Santos instead of Mason Crosby? Oh, my God. Well, don't say that now. You say that now. <laughs> it'll come down to a kick. And what will happen? This is a he's only made. He, he's only made, what, 36 straight, 34 straight, whatever it is, yeah. 34. Is he's like, he needs eight more, I think, to tie the record. And Adam oh, God. Well, record. I, before I, I want to hear you all before I go, but I mean, just reference this. And this is gloom and doom. But in 1998, Gary Anderson for Minnesota made every kick the whole season. Every kick. Hadn't missed all year. Hadn't missed since going back to the middle of 1997. NFC Championship game, Atlanta at Minnesota. And what fucking happens? The kick to go to Super Bowl 33, and he yes. fucking missed. And guess what happened? Morton Anderson got the next kick. He didn't miss, and the Falcons went to the Super Bowl. So... <laughs> <laughs> Don't start bragging about Cairo until we win. And then, okay, pound your fucking chest. Those guys, too, were from Europe, I think, right? Gary and Morton Anderson? At least one of them was. Yeah, Morton Anderson was from Sweden or Anderson something. They have been like, one of them was from like the white section of like South Africa, wasn't he? I, I, yeah, I, I kind of remember both of them or one or both of them being from. You know, foreign. In other words, Danish, I think it's something like Danish that. or Swedish. Yeah. 
The thing is, is Santos has always been good. It's just he's had injury issues. Um, and so now he's healthy. Hopefully he'll stay healthy. Really quickly, this is A-Rob talking about Santos, which is, I think, a reflection on how everybody in the team feels about him. I think, you know, Cairo deserves a ton of credit. You know what I mean? Since the day he stepped foot in this building, you know, he's he's been a pivotal part, you know, of a lot of games for us, being able to, you know, make a lot of field goals down the stretch, you know, games where we couldn't come away with touchdowns. You know, Cairo was right there, very dependable, you know, helping us put points on the board, you know, and sometimes, you know, um, even if you don't come away with touchdowns, you know, all the points help, you know, so, I mean, Cairo has been phenomenal. What was it that John Fox referred to him as? Oh. Carlos Santos. <laughs> Carlos Santos. <laughs> Carlos Santos. <laughs> groin. All right, Tooch, give us a quick score. You know, I, I uh, we've lost to the Packers so many times. I want to, I want to pick the Bears to win. Mm-hmm. You know, but like I think this is going to be low scoring game. You know, so I'm going to say Bears sixteen, Packers fourteen. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, three Cairo Santos field goals and two Packers touchdowns. A one Bears touchdown. Yeah. So I ca- with your prediction, do you think the Bears have to come back to win or they hold off Green Bay on D to hold said lead? I think it'd be a come I think it'll be a comeback. Justin Fields coming back. End of the game. Cairo Santos to win it. I agree. Oh <laughs> I agree with even me. He says Bears 232, Packers 3. <laughs> no, I think the Bears are I, – I do believe that this game could be that one game where we're just going to be literally coming in our pants, creaming in our panties, <laughs> that the Bears are just going to, like, beat them handily. I, I just got that feeling, man. I, I can't explain it logically, rationally, whatever. I just got a feeling that the Bears are just going to come out and do something special on Sunday, and we're all going to be very, very happy. I I, I got to go, fortunately for everybody, because I've had such a shit show. But uh, I just want to mention uh, the reason I I want to I want to buy into everything you just said. I just want to point out a couple things that always happen when we play them. Oh God, there's Randall Cobb. He's open. Where where's Chris Conti? Nobody knows. Oh, it's a touchdown. Oh, there's a fumble. There's a fumble, but all the Bears are standing around. One of the Packers has picked it up. They've scored. The any like 12 Bears were there and could have picked it up. Somebody on the sideline could have got it, evidently, in this uh, analysis from me, because there's 12. Uh, <laughs> and and one Packer scoops it up and scores. How about Benny Cunningham? How about Benny Cunningham? Oh, he's in the end zone. Fox challenges. Oh, well, now it's a touchback. It's Green Bay's ball. Like, all these things happen when we play them. Like, just you can't even fucking script them. Oh, the the Bears have punted. The Packers will start at their own half-yard line. Farve back to pass. Robert Brooks. (laughs) Robert Brooks, 99 yards. 99 and a half yards on Monday Night Football, and Farve's jumping around from Mississippi. Goddamn touchdown Packers. Why does this shit always happen? When yeah. have we ever had a moment like that against them? Yeah. Like just something like incredible. I don't know. Man. De- I mean, Devin Hester. That's it. Like Hester with the kick return on them. Like you're like, oh my God, because Devin was so electric early in his career, you know, like that's the only thing that comes comp. Like there's never a freaky, stupid play like, oh, the ball's down and nobody picked it up. It's always the Packers who take advantage of them. You guys like have- I, I just want to, I want a week where we do something, something bad happens to them like that. It never happens to them. 
You got any idea on who Brad Rogers is? Aaron Rogers. Yeah, he's refereeing the game. It's his Oh, crew. my God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is he related to Aaron? No, it's R-O-G-E-R-S. Okay. That would be a conflict of interest. It's like that one ref was from Michigan when we were at the Lion game. <laughs> All right, Dan, I love you. Uh, we'll be talking uh, via text. Uh, I want to check to make sure that you're going to be okay I'll be uh, I'll be a wounded pussy for a week, but I'll be back. <laughs> Speaking of pussy, no, I'm just kidding. I, I wanted to hear. I more haven't about had any story. pussy, unfortunately. Maybe that's what I need. <laughs> that is exactly what you need. Tooch, I got to work until four. I got to go now. Is what I got to do. All right, you go. Right, uh, Tooch and I will close the show. We'll talk to you later, Dan. All right, Tooch. I'm glad you're here. I'm sorry that this happened while you were here. <laughs> oh, come on! Don't beat yourself up. Yeah, come on. We love okay. You, you all have a good night. Next week, you'll forget all about it. Exactly. I won't, but thanks anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Get out of here, you. <sighs> I am. I got to tell you, uh, I've been, I've, I've told you, I've been doing keto diet. Yeah. You look I, good, man. I'm, I'm, thank you. I lost, uh, I'm like 24 pounds lighter. I feel great. Uh, nice. I made a pizza with Italian sausage crust yesterday. Wow. Like, as soon as the show's good. over, I'm going to get a slice. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Very good. Um, I And I just want to say, you know, Dan Aguirre can get very emotional about certain topics, and it does kind of linger in his mind a bit. So but I will be uh, checking in on him. Uh, I love him like a brother, yeah, yeah. just like I do Tooch. And so uh, I'll make sure that he's okay. Uh, because as somebody said in the uh, chat room uh, an hour and a half ago, Dan is this show. I know that he is. He's got such a unique personality, such incredible knowledge. Photographic memory. Unbelievable. He's a professional radio broadcaster, so he yep. knows how to how to do a show. Uh, I, I consider myself very lucky to be working with Dan on this show. And now Tooch is, is adding his creative juices to the show. So this show is just going to get better and better and better as long as we don't talk about John Cruden and my <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so yeah. we'll make sure to avoid that topic. And I want to, uh, uh, Tooch, why don't you uh, plug what you're working on and your betting site and all that stuff, and then we'll pull the plug on this baby. Sure. Uh, I have a, a show called the Maximum Edge Sports Wagering Show on YouTube and Twitter. Uh, we, we were following, uh, the college and NFL football season. So, uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are actually my day off from, uh, from doing the show. Oh, but, cool. uh, the shows are short, uh, Thursday night football. It's a 15 minute show. There's usually a, th a Thursday night college game also. Mm -hmm. So we try to keep the show under a half an hour the whole time. Uh, just, Perfect. just, uh, get, Get in there. We give away. We give away free plays. At least one free play every show. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, Fridays we do the Friday college games. Saturday we do. It's a little longer show on Saturday because we're trying to give people, you know, uh, the edge on certain college games. And we've been doing okay, uh, giving out free college plays. NFL's been tough this year. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been doing okay with the NFL. So Sunday we talk NFL football every, uh, we recap Saturdays, you know, on Sunday show, and, mm -hmm. uh, recap, uh, Sunday on Monday's show and Monday we're talking Monday night football. And, uh, we got some guests coming up, some good guests, uh, 
be having David Bierman from ESPN on soon. I'm trying to get uh, the crack man, Bill Krakenberger, one of the world fa- world's most famous gamblers on. Awesome. Uh, coming up. Uh, uh, and then uh, uh, some other handicappers and stuff just will come in and talk about one game. And uh, uh, and then we'll have uh, the stream team with Aaron Mikulski and a couple gals coming up. That starts in November. We'll be talking Wheel of Time. The oh, uh, cool. Amazon Prime Video fantasy series based on the Neil Jordan books. There mm-hmm. were 15 of 15 books. Uh, I think we're going to be starting up maybe beginning of November, just like setting the table for the show, talking about the characters and the story and the universe of Wheel of Time. And then uh, uh, working on Dan and Aldo with uh, you two guys and talking bears. You know, I, I, lately I've been watching the football games on Sunday ticket. You can watch them in like 20 minutes. It's great. I love it. I love it. It's just, you know, no, everything's cut out just as, as, as trip stripped down as you can get it. You know, just <laughs> the bear, I watched the bears game. I watched it live uh-huh. and then I watched it again. Uh, uh, this morning, just 20 minutes, got it in again, just so I, you know, see what stood out to me again, you know, for this one, but, uh, if the Bears play like they did in Las Vegas. They have a good chance of beating the Packers. I just uh, think you know, they will beat the Packers. Yeah, can they tough. can they keep the intensity up? That's the big question. That is you the know. big question. By the way, I got to send this to. Um, <laughs> I got to send this to Dan. Yeah, I'll take a screenshot of that. Uh, she's very look, cute. She's a little yeah, young for is. you and me, though. Although I mean, I you are unfortunately in the picture, John. So could you uh, okay, try you to, to some or something? <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect send that, to, send that to dan he says that uh, yeah that was tough he uh he's still feeling bad so anyway yeah. all right uh thank you for the offer there uh if dan can't go can uh, john go in his place <laughs> um PJ, I love you too. Um, uh, that's it for the plugs, John. And thank you very much for. Oh, uh, well, one last thing I wanted to say uh, for the chat room, mm-hmm. uh, they were talking about James Daniel moving to center. Right. If you want to see a good Iowa center right now, man, on the Hawkeyes, Tyler Lindebaum, this, he's going to be a first round center. This, wow. He's that, he's that good. Wow. Well, I, uh, well, we don't have a first round draft pick, so we don't have a Maybe he slips to the second round. I don't know. Yeah. There's a first, second round grade on Linderbaum. Uh, this is a dude that, man, he, he's tough. He gets out. He's fast. He gets out and gets to the second level. Pancakes dudes, you know, yeah. just way out in front of, right. He runs almost as fast as the backs and wide receivers. Whoa. But yeah. I'll be keeping an eye on him. Iowa's playing really good. They yeah. are uh, a, a, an outstanding uh, team this season, so it's great to see that. Yeah, it's great for the state. All right, guys, everybody, uh, thanks so much for being uh, uh, part of the live audience and those of you listening on the on-demand version. Hope you uh, let your friends know about what we're doing here at the Barroom Network. Tomorrow, what do we got going on tomorrow? By, by the way, NHL hockey starts tomorrow, and so the Bar Down guys are going to get you ready for the NHL season. Lots of Blackhawks talk. There's a new all. hockey team. The That's Kraken. right. Seattle Kraken. They should no, be actually expansion. playing right now. I think they're uh, playing now, yep. Right. And so we're going to cover all sorts of hockey stuff. And then uh, as uh, 
You might know by now John Buffon is switching his show to Thursday to accommodate his schedule. So Buffon 55 will be Thursday. We will have on a gentleman who does a daily podcast on the Packers. So make sure you join us in their chat room. Uh, get ready with asking your penetrating questions. And we got all sorts of other stuff. Just uh, subscribe to the YouTube account here, and you'll get the lowdown on everything that we're doing here. John, you're the best. Thanks for uh, uh, well, being on. This is one we'll be talking about for for a while. Remember I had that, fun, fun tonight. I, I I wish Dan had fun too. But... Oh, I think he did, but uh, I... he's got a, he, he he's he's feeling a little bad right now. I will so. call him tomorrow. Text him for sure. Yeah, please do. Please do. And everybody, Dan's uh, email is at Bears fan. Uh, underscore Dan, send him an email or, or a, a tweet and, and tell him that you love him. That'll make him feel better. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for watching. Bye-bye.